Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And we are back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast in Boxhead. A couple of uh, big results on the weekend. A couple of teams' hopes very, very slim after some of the results. And I think the top four have definitely pushed themselves further away from the pack. They have, yeah. All the favourites won on the weekend. So, good weekend if you're a punter. Um, the only outsider I back was the Cowboys. And Same. that's the only one I got wrong. So. Seven of eight. And they should have won that game, but we'll get to the reviews a little bit later. 100%. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's oh, I enjoyed the round. I love Origin, but, God, I'm glad Origin's over. And the run home. Yeah, the run home's going to be good. Run home's went always to, uh, Well, we went to Penrith Stadium on Friday night, mm-hmm. watched that game, had a few beers, went over to the club. It was a good night. It's good just to watch some footy, and we'll be there. We'll be back there on Sunday to watch this game. Uh, Penrith versus the Raiders because that's going to be an absolute belter as well. Had a couple of the uh, listeners actually spot us at the football. Had Did a we? chat to a few on the hill. They brought up how much you love fan questions and how they're going to put a couple extras in this week. So yeah, great. I've put posted that up. I pretty, didn't run into any. I've posted that up pretty late tonight. Well, we've got pretty recognisable heads, I think, for anyone that has seen them before. They're mm. quite large, so uh, always nice to meet some people that listen to the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. If you see us out, say good day. Love it. And I know I've said it a million times, and I still want to sort it. I want to do Super uh, Saturday. You talk about it all the time. Well, Let's buddy, talk more hey, action. You've got a kid. Things, bits and Please. places suit up. I reckon Super Saturday, downstairs at Panthers. That place should be rocking. There's a tab there. There's races right. on. I think things could get quite loose. I don't need any encouragement. No, neither. But uh, for anyone joining us for the first time, and always happy to have new listeners, after six years of doing this podcast, we kick things off as always with our set of six. Six thoughts, questions, statements, anything we have from the round or topics <laughs> or things to talk about. And the uh, first one we've got here, one we kind of touched on last week, but the saga continues, is the St. George Illawarra Dragons, their coach, resting Ben Hunt, the players, the group. We know how cutthroat the fans are. There's a lot of stuff flowing around this week. Um, honestly. Well, it's gone next level. It's, it's gone absolute nuclear. It has gone nuclear. You're right. Where, where do you start? Port Luck. Well, I, guess the, I guess the one, well, there's two for me that really stood out this week. The performance was horrendous particularly second half and Ben Hunt not playing in a must win game well I said it last week if you're going to rest him and the role of the coach in both of them I don't know I don't know what the role of the coach is you ask Dragons fans and we've got plenty of Dragons fans as listeners they want Mary gone the majority want Mary gone my only question would be like who comes in is he the problem or is it the yeah. players are the problem? I... On your point, though, there, and I've said this one before, and I'm sure a lot of their fans know this, I have a problem that one man here is not copping any flack, and I've been giving it to him for the majority of the seasons, Ian Millwood. People, I don't think people understand that McGregor, why he says this is his team, 
this is closer to what he wants, but he actually doesn't have any control over recruitment. He can go make suggestions to Ian Millwood and people at the club, but at the but end I of the day... I remember Paul McGregor saying this is my team. I remember, I remember him saying it mm. two years ago, not this year. But I think it was the start of last year. He has some say, or he can put forward players. At the end of the day, though, their vision or their thought for having Ian Millwood was coaches, like Wayne Bennett in the past, yeah. look short-term. So they didn't want the coaching control of the roster. They thought, you can make recommendations mm. to Ian... He'll build the squad. My argument is he's done a shit job with the top 30. Yeah, right. But I'd argue, who have they lost? Who'd they lose over the preseason, over the off-season? Well, Nana McDonald definitely hurt their yardage game, and I think back five's been an issue. Yeah. Gareth Widdock not being on no, the field. No, I'm asking who they, who they missed between last year and this year because they've, they've regressed. Well, a Jack mile. DeBellin. Obviously DeBellin, one. yeah. Gareth DeBellin. Widdock, to me, whether he's played one or two games for mentally. Me, is, that, is it enough for them to slide as far as they have? Well, I think... And who takes responsibility for that? Well, again, like everyone's got to take some everyone's got to take responsibility. But I think there's way too much fire going at the coach and the playing group needs to take a bit more responsibility. And again, I, know I, I personally believe uh, Paul McGregor should see the year out, and then after that they can. Make, if they want to sack him, I wouldn't do it till the end of the year. I'd let this let this play out because you're not going to play finals now. It's going to cost him. Um, and then if you're going to make that call, do it at the end of the year. Or I would probably lean to give him the start of next year, but and then if you start off poorly and you sack your coach, like you're writing next year off. If you really don't believe he's the right man for the job, moving forward into next year, I think they've got to make the call over the off-season. Well, apparently there was a board meeting on Monday and that wasn't even a topic of discussion. Apparently he's very favoured uh, at the club and they love him and a lot of outsiders, and that's the other thing I'm hearing uh, in particular, which is you don't know what's going in between the four walls, but generally when the drums are beating, journos, former coaches, players, everyone get on board. Gus Gould, multiple people in the media are all backing McGregor. Yeah, so maybe it, there's something... But there's agendas behind all that. I know, well. I get that as well. I, what I didn't like coming out of the sheds on Friday night was that he walked out and he apparently Cameron McInnes addressed the side. I, I don't know how, um, how I would feel about that in the current predicament. I think he needs to be... The one at the the, uh, the, front, the front of the sh- front of the ship here, trying to lead him out of this. Yeah, and I know that sometimes as a coach, less is more. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think, particularly post the performance like that in the second half, like that, I just wouldn't want to give the impression to the players that I don't have the answers. Well, I will say one thing: I, I haven't looked at the exact numbers, but clearly through their defensive efforts of more recent times, I think that now they're the worst defensive side for and against the competition wise, are right down the bottom. This team the last few years has been solidly based off being very, very strong defensively, particularly through the middle. But the other key area, and I've highlighted it many weeks, is the back five. The back five, not only struggle in yardage, but in previous mm. weeks, regardless of what combinations they've had there, have just torched them with errors. And I think all the pressure, and, and rightfully so, I know their forward pack is an origin pack and they're copping it, but I think this year particularly, taking DeBellin out, having a poor back five, having poor set starts, errors, I think their forward pack's just copping all the pressure. They need more from their back five. The one player I thought was hardly done by, and I've said it again, I'll say it again now, is Pereira. Yeah. And he ended up having that issue the other week where he landed on his head and almost hurt his neck. But I thought out of all the guys there, he was smaller, but he really worked hard. Dufty gets manhandled or dragged back. Too prone to dropping the ball. Jonas Pearson, he's okay. But I thought from his time at Brisbane, we already knew. The fact that Lachlan Marina, again, I'm, I'm talking to the top 30 in the recruitment, I just think they've done a poor job building this roster. Lattimore, all goods played his first game in three years. Like, good bloke, but you need more out of your top 30. Yeah. Jackson Ford, Tristan Saylor, like these guys, if they're not ready to go, why are they in your top 30? Yeah. They're two-year development projects. In I think the thing is, basically what you said before, 
if they are out, and I think they are basically done for the year, and this week they play South, if they lose this weekend, it's got to be everyone in regardless. If if it's, I haven't seen the lineups again for this week, I'm assuming that Jason Saab, uh, one of their young prodigies who played some schoolboy football at a very high level, will be in. But if if they are done after this week, I'd assume Eddie Blacker, who's a young front rower, Lachlan Tim, who was a fringy at Melbourne that they let go, um, Jackson Ford, 20th player of the year for them in the back row, Tristan Saylor. If they're all there for a reason and none of them are playing first grade, if they're done next week, all those guys need to come in and play. Mm. Pearson, out. Marina, not getting another look in. Um, I, I think, again, the, the forward pack is copping a fair bit. And again, those guys coming back, people are saying they're not playing more, not living up to their pay packets, but it's all a flow-on effect for me. And, and the big issue in a lot of the games, and particularly that one man you watched when they played Newcastle, how many errors come from the back five? or poor kick catches. And then before you know it, they conceded a few times, they had back-to-back sets. All that takes a toll mostly on your middle. Yeah. And when your middle's gassed, they roll their bench on, their bench is poor. And when their bench comes on, they don't maintain their edge and or step things up, which again links back to what I said about the top 30. Yeah. Um, do a better job recruiting, You know, do a better job developing juniors, or go out and find better players. And no one can sell me the excuse that you know, uh, depth and, and junior... Like, Melbourne, again, people go, they have no juniors. Well, technically, they don't have a lot of juniors, but a junior is someone you produce or work on. Every year, they find scraps or they find players. The Roosters keep finding players everywhere else. You can't tell me or sell me the excuses not players out there. That comes back to coaching, development, and recruitment decisions. Do a fucking better job. Mm. So on that side of things, like I said, I'm not defending Paul McGregor completely, but Ian Millwood's got to take some responsibility as well because if he's managing the cap and he's managing the top 30 and people are calling for changes but they can't make them because of form and from the, the cup games that I've seen earlier in the year, there's only one or two guys that even look capable or worthy form-wise to come up. And they've just lost one of those guys to South Sydney, which is Isan Masters' cousin, Stephen Masters, who's a young centre-wing fullback. So that says enough again. They yeah. clearly don't value him enough. Wayne Bennett does. If Wayne Bennett values him, I think that's a poor decision. Yeah. So, yeah, just a little bit of food for thought for some Dragons fans out there. I'm not defending Paul McGregor, but a little bit still has to go back to Paul... Uh, sorry, Ian Millwood on that side of things. Do I think the forwards can do a better job? Yep. But fuck, they need to sort out that back five. And Nene McDonald has been a big loss. He was a really good set starter yeah. for them. Oh, um, I, for me, I, I'm just going to play it by ear. Yep. Just for the next seven games. But, not going to make any rash decisions. I'm certainly not going to make decisions based on fan pressure. We no. all due to, to uh, respect Bet. to yep. everyone listening. And I totally get your frustrations because I, I support a team that's going a lot worse than the Dragons. You're going through a situation uh, where you've just... Well, had... we just sacked our second coach, Yeah, really. The players in, in are not years, giving so. their all. And you want to talk about bad contracts or players not putting in. Like mm. At least Dragons fans have still got guys that have had form or patches during the year that are good enough to get them into rep football and play well. I know it seems as though they're not doing that job for your club. But I think, again, that I think there's half the team that are doing the right thing but are still somewhat worn down or suffering because of, you know, poor play or other guys in there that either aren't up to it yeah. or just aren't doing their job and they don't have the depth to reach to, which is clearly a problem. Yeah. Um, but on the coaching side of things, let's go with the extreme scenario, right? He's got a two-year extension. He's loved at the club. It's highly unlikely they move him on. If they did move him on, I'm going to bring up the name that I've brought up a hundred times, even though I don't know if he'd take the job, is Demetrio. Jason Dimitri had, he had some time there. He won the New South Wales Cup, the Queensland Cup. He's followed Wade Bennett around. He's brought him back down to South Sydney. He clearly thinks highly of him, but I think he's another one like O'Brien that would be jockeying for a job. But at the same time, I think Dimitri might be in the driver's seat to take the South job in the future, and he wouldn't be on your normal assistance pay package. Yeah. So would he take the job? I'm sure he'd like to go for it, but at the same time, I think that job might be waiting for him after Wayne Bennett. Adam O'Brien, 
would he take the Dragons job? I think it's a much better roster than some of the other ones we've talked about, aka the Bulldogs and the Titans. But with the contracts they've done and with the Millwood situation, would the club relinquish the reins and let someone like Adam O'Brien have a say in the kind of players he wants to bring in? Well, they'd have to. Because <clears throat> I don't think if you're him, you'd take the job. And then you've got Holbrook, who was there in the past in the 20s and did a really good job and had Duffy and a couple of these guys. I think, again, it's a more appealing job to someone like him than the Titans and the Bulldogs, but same goes again. Mm. They need more control. I'm not saying they hand their reins over completely, but Millwood would have to work in with a new coach. I also wouldn't be taking a job where everything's been dictated to. Well, the to. fact that they've employed Millwood tells me that they don't trust McGregor with the roster. Well, basically, after the Bennett thing was more the way they put it, that they feel that coaches think short-term, not long-term. So they thought, this time around, we don't want to have someone yeah, in here. if you're comfortable with your coach, you're looking long-term well, anyway. I, I, I'd so. be with you, but that was apparently the way they've dressed things up. Anyway. But for Dragons fans, it's clearly frustrating. Um, when we have a look at these teams lists later on, hopefully there's a couple of young blokes in there and they bring a bit more energy, but... I think there's a lot more going on than just looking at the coach. And I know that's always the first point of call because he's the man in charge, but players need to take some responsibility. Millwood does as well. Some of those guys I just don't think are up to it and their attitude's not good enough. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Tackle one, out of the way. Tackle two, Cronulla Sharks. Is it time to panic? Um, again, I think this is one we touched on a little bit this week, but uh, I think some cracks showed the other night. And funnily enough, I actually thought they gave a pretty good account of themselves given the fact that the Warriors had them pinned basically for the whole game after the first 20 minutes in their own half the amount of tackles inside 50 and inside 20 were <coughs> astronomical the possession was 60 40 the other way they defended their goal line quite well and the Warriors but it's barely, four weeks in a row they've I get that scored more uh, tries than their opposition lost I just I look at this but it goes the, the main moment goes back to the Fafita moment and there's been too many things like this it's been the goal kicking it's you been penalties it's been attitude 65 minutes in I know it hurt them. It was it a critical point of the game, but I don't know. I, I didn't think they were great. No, I didn't think they were great either, but I think, you know, what do I take out of it? Were the Warriors that bad they couldn't score a try? Or did the Sharks do a stout job to defend inside 50 and hold on for so long? Well, I said it in our game companion before, well, when they played Cronulla, and that's the last game companion we did. We're, we're the curse Canberra. of Cronulla. Sorry, Canberra-Cronulla, yeah. That I would have had Cole Flanagan playing. I don't know he's now going to the Roosters. Well, I don't care, man. I had, my massive, Get him in. I had my huge barner the other week about the Johnson move, and it was funnily enough done by his own father. That I thought they panicked. They bought something they didn't necessarily need. Yeah. Speaking on that, we've said it earlier in the year, and now it's confirmed. Cole Flanagan's going to the Roosters. And he's going to be like if he develops into what we think he's going to develop, he'll be a ten-year halfback for them. Well, he's a right-side dominant player. Kiri likes to play left. He can swing both ways. He's got a good short kicking game. He's a good goal kicker. He's young. You get. He's handling first well, grade yeah. easily at the moment. And he killed Cup. And he's going to be playing with a better team. Like yep. the Cronulla are a good team. And Kiri's developing into even more of a superstar. So he's got a good help inside him. He's got James Tedesco. He's got Jake Friend. Yeah. A good forward pack. Stop the fight. It's, that's not even the yeah. point. I, I just think. He, he should be there in some yep. capacity. I'm with you. Even in the 14, stick him in the 14 and, and get Instead him of Braley, somewhere. Kind of... Well, one of the Brayleys is leaving anyway, aren't they? So, Well, Jaden's yeah. going to Newcastle. So I, I think, similar to what you're saying, if they're that heavily invested in Blake, and I know Jaden's doing a good job now, make the change. Like yeah. I, I think Jaden's a great player, but if you've signed his brother for three years and you can't offer him... Move forward. Make the move right now, Yeah, moving forward, and get Flanagan in your 14. And I know they like going forward heavy, and I can't blame them for some of the forwards they've got, but right now... Um, I, I but think, I, I think they're drinking your Kool-Aid. I, I believe that they still think they can win the comp. 
I don't. I don't think they can. The way things are going now, I'm eating all my words from the start of the year. No, nah, it's not about that. It's not about me saying, saying not, that not, to not winning the contest. It's not about anyone saying that. I said they were a shoe in for the eight. I, I think, do. I think ego. Oh, I would have. I would have gone with you on that. Yeah. I, I'd be shocked if they missed the eight. This and at roster, the moment, right now, I think they're a 50-50 chance of this, missing this the eight. roster. Missing the eight is a massive fail. I don't mm. care who the coach is. And again, I will give something. As much as Flanagan did a lot of things wrong, he was the right personality for this group. And I know they've got a somewhat of a turnover. They've got a half and half mix his, now. His personality matched the playing group. Yeah. They were abrasive, aggressive. But he would butt heads with these guys and pull them in a yeah. line. I think John Morris is still a bit young, and those younger guys wouldn't be giving him grief, but some of the older guys that are around his age are of just similar kind of playing time in the NRL. I don't think they'd be paying him and not saying he wouldn't have their respect, but I don't think they'd be intimidated or take him in the same manner as Shane Flanagan, and his personality doesn't strike me that way either. Mm. I think there's a few guys there that are a little bit big for their boots. And we've heard the stories about Josh Dugan not being happy about being the centres and him bowing to little things like that. Well, Paul Gallen admitted that last night on 100% footy that there was a discussion at training uh, on Monday about that issue exactly. And Gallen was the one that apparently addressed it. Well, buy in or get the fuck out. That's my other problem. And that was basically... What was said, it was it was along the lines of, well, it doesn't matter what position we're playing, 13 take the field, 13 out there do your job. Getting $800,000, yeah. just do your job. Like, try and win a comp. You went there and it all... I don't um, know why they're upset, because Bronson Cherry's clearly the centre there yeah. moving forward. In, well, like Morris. Morris, Morris played on the wing, and I, I looked at him the other week when he scored the hat-trick, and he even looked a little bit dirty, but I'm like, you're 32, 33 years old, you just play at origin. Like, I think you, Josh you, Morris will get an extra one or two years of his career on the wing. So do I, and I looked at him and as thought, a centre, you're doing a good job, you've gone to a half-decent club. He's as blunt as a smash lead pencil. Yeah. Surely playing here is better than playing at the Bulldogs for your last year or two of your career and just letting it dwindle away. And I, yeah. Look at Brett. Even Brett on the wing for the Roosters looks fantastic. Yeah. And I think sadly he's probably going to miss out this week coming but I'd rather mm. beat the Roosters than still beat the Bulldogs for my final years mm. and suffer but There's yeah. a lot going on at Cronulla. I think there's they a lot are, going on. The longer this goes on the more they will start to self- Combust, I believe. And the other they one, need to win ASAP. The other one that you're talking about, I think, who has suffered badly. I think Sean Johnson has kind of taken a lot of confidence out of Chad Townsend. He and Flanagan were playing very, very well together since this combination's come back together week by week. It's slowly gotten worse for Chad Townsend. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's a complete knock-on effect or a blame to Sean Johnson, but the Flanagan-Townsend pairing was doing a very, very nice job. And as Johnson's come back in and had some up-and-down moments and running short sides on fifth plays, looking to turn people back inside and kick into random space and just a lot of things not looking so well. Uh, I think it's, it's it's definitely starting to drill the confidence a little bit of Chad Townsend. And we've seen it before. We saw it on the grand final run. He had to get hooked in a semi-final for Christ's sake and he ended up getting it back and winning a comp. Yeah. But I've seen his football decline in the last four or five weeks after he had an eight-week period there where he absolutely had the ball on a string. He controlled and he ran everything. Flanning kind of played off him. Um, I, I, there's, there's a lot of things that have gone wrong but I just think again it speaks to what you said before ego uh, not being aware not being respectful of your teammates just self-combusting in a situation where for feeder of all people again we know he's got it in his game but he's a great player on his day and one of the best players in the comp just has that moment where like that effectively just takes him out of the game yeah well it's Paul the Warriors like they've done so well to hold the Warriors out but you come up with that at a critical moment and just say come get us and the Warriors still could only manage a field goal with 12 on the field and all the possession and dominance they had and the Sharks almost kicked the field goal in full time mm. but they couldn't have done any more or played any worse and the Warriors threw the absolute kitchen sink at them and a field goal 
three other games by two points, I think it is, and another loss by like four. Like the last five weeks have all been within a score. Yeah. And they could be on 12 wins and in the top four and sailing their way to possibly a home final or travelling to play a team either in Melbourne or somebody in Sydney. Yeah, but, they're but not. now they're looking at possibly missing the finals. Mm. And it's just flipped so quickly. Can you remember, also I was going to bring this up, can you remember a season with more like flip-flopping in form, like streaks? You get win-loss, win-loss, like five losses in a row after winning like five, like, you know, something like that. And then you've got Penrith who lost six in a row. Mm. Have now reeled off seven. You've got Melbourne who have reeled off nine. Like a lot of teams have been streaky. The Dragons lost their first two, was it, or four, or whatever we remember. And then they won four. Then they lost another four in a row. Mm. Like I can never, I can't think of a season where there's been more hot and cold streaks yeah. in sides. And then we had Newcastle. Newcastle started six and one. Yeah. Then they won six in a row. Now we've got them different circumstances because a couple of injuries and Origins really taking a toll on them. But now they've lost like four in a row. Yeah. I can't remember a season where it's been so like flip flop like bang bang uh, it's crazy but for Cronulla I think basically this week needs to be the old soul search as we like to talk about a former coach of mine always used to mm. say it's time to do a bit of soul searching blokes need to buy in or get the fuck out and if Morris can't get a couple of dudes to buy in move on uh, you know if, if to me if Josh Dugan doesn't want to play you've got a guy like Fekiu who's moving on England at the end of the year you know who do his job you've got Sherry Put Morris on the other side of the field. If Dugan doesn't want in, put Sione Katara in. I like Sione Katara. I know he's got an error or two in his game, but he's another guy moving forward. We've seen Ronald Mulitalo. I love Jaden Braley. I know the group loves him as well, but if Blake is the one and you want to get Flanagan on the bench, you do that as well. But I guess now that Flanagan's signed to move on, they probably won't do that. I'm I'm assuming he'll be iced somebody out of the system. The halves, the Johnson thing. If the call needs to be made, just do it. But it's up to John Morris, I guess, uh, to make that decision and Fafita, he's got a week this week. He's going to be back out of the side. I think guys like Pryor, Gallon, if he comes back healthy, they need to take control of this situation, get these young blokes back on board. And Wade Graham being injured, I think, you know, when he got back there for that week or two before the origin period, they just seemed to get all these players back. Now they've lost a couple. Moylan's going to be out again this week. It's been a really up and down season. And there's been a bit of a flat spot for a few of these younger guys. I think Nakora had a couple of quiet weeks. He played okay again on the weekend, but first year in first grade. Yeah, uh, Williams has had some good, really good games, and he's had some errors in some other games. You always had a good patch, but yeah, it, it, this is a real tough assignment for John Morris. But if they miss the finals, rookie coach, all the other situations, I think it goes more down to off-field stuff and the group more so than the talent. That, that's a top eight roster. Mm. That should be playing yeah, finals football. Agree. All right, tackle three. Madge McGuire calling out the West Tigers. This is one that you... Well, he's blown. He blew up post-game on the weekend and questioned their attitude and said that they need to have a look in the mirror and find it. And It's the first real time I've seen Madge get frustrated, I guess, publicly. He's given that almighty spray. I think it was early in the season when they lost to Canterbury at Campbelltown Stadium. He he gave them an almighty spray, but it stayed in-house. This is the first time we've seen cracks and frustration from... Madge McGuire and we're on team list Tuesday and we're going to go through the teams a little bit later and it'll be interesting to see uh, whether he does make wholesale changes based on the fact that he outed, didn't out players individually but outed the team publicly I believe it leans to him probably making some changes um, he just looked extremely frustrated although they gave a good account of themselves in the probably from the 20th minute to the end of the game, I thought they were pretty yeah, good. It was the start. A, the start, they leaked like the start a sieve. killed them, didn't it? They weren't up for the task. And you know when you go into Canberra, it's cold. It was old boys' day. you got the Viking clap. Canberra playing well. 
Uh, you're away from home. It's vital to start well. I, I also think, though, again, and when he's got there, he's got the same kind of deal where he's walked into a top 30 that's not ideally his. Mm. Three or four of the bigger names he's not a big fan of. And I think the one area they're really struggling is to get going in their middle. And you've got a few guys playing in there that are doing a, a good job, but it's not good enough moving forward. Like LAA, Eisenhuth, Twilight, like that's not enough firepower in your middle. You need more. I think, I think this Madalino, is the persona Packer. that he needs to move forward with if he wants to get rid of Madalino, Packer. Yeah. McQueen, stick with the hardest. Yeah, I think he's he's got to be really, really demanding. Um, I guess really, really honest in where those players are at. I feel as though, and this is just from an outsider looking in, the start of this year he's just tried to manage that group because he knew a, like you just said, it's not his group, it's mm. not his roster, but b that he may have to call on those guys at some point in time. Well, you also whereas he's getting to a point now where two things are happening. There's not as many games left in the season. And their chances of playing in the top eight are dwindling with yep. each loss that comes. Now, they could probably afford maybe one or two more losses in their last seven, and, and they'd probably have to go five and two, I would imagine, to, to get there. But he now understands that, right, it's time now. I'm just going all in. The chips are going all in. Here, here is where I'm at as a coach. Here is what I think about where our playing group is at. Yep. And he's just going to try and squeeze as much juice that's left in that sponge to well, get them as far as he possibly can. And I think he's pulled the right rein. I, yeah. I like what he's done this week. But I also think when you get there, one of the first things you do as a coach, when we said that, is you assess the players, you assess the people, the group, and the salary cap. Mm. And the first thing he saw, much like we've seen with Ivan going back to Penrith and some of the moves that Gould and that board made, some of the bigger paid players are guys that he's not a fan of or he doesn't want there. And then on top of it, a lot of them had their nose out of joint because the coach that had got them there moved on. Mm. So you've immediately got yourself a situation where... You know, you, you can meet it head on, which we know he's certainly done that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think his biggest issue on that is moving those guys on isn't going to be easy because the contracts they got, we know the Tigers paid overs because they don't really have a whole lot coming through in their junior pipeline. So they paid overs to get a couple of guys in. Ivan's obviously moved on, but now you've got Packer on reportedly close to 800,000. Madalino's on high sixes. Josh Reynolds on 900. I know a lot of former players and people this week, as we mentioned that side, Reynolds has been told he can move on. A lot of blokes said they'd happily pay five, six hundred still to have Josh Reynolds, and I wouldn't. And it's not a shot at Josh Reynolds; it's the physical side of things. He barely played any football the last three years, and everyone's going, "If he just gets a good run, like watched him play a cup the other week, he's barely getting through games." Well, I'll tell you what: people in the media can say whatever they want about Josh Reynolds. The clubs will talk, mm. and at the moment, there is a deafening silence if, on Josh Reynolds. If you rang me right now, no one wants yeah. to get. Otherwise, it'd be done. And the other one, of all the mentions, everyone's going, oh, it'd be a dream for the Bulldogs. Look at the Bulldogs' situation. Like, I know everyone's saying, how'd they get Dallin, et cetera. Like, they moved a lot of players out. They've re- that's the did some contracts. Fa- that's the fairy tale in everyone. I get that. but it's, I don't, I it's, don't believe yeah, in fairy nah. tales. If There's the a reason why you let him go and you didn't pay him that much wedge to start with. But even if they rang me now, as Dean he's Bain, busted. The I, look, yeah, I love him. I think he's great on that's, TV. That's the whole point. All that sort of stuff. That's the whole point. But I'm making a decision to win games. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'm not paying half a million dollars, even if they're no. paying 400, because I'm just looking at it going, are you going to be on the field? We've already got Kieran Foran on a million. And on his days when he's been good. Basically, the West Tigers are saying to you that we can find a player that's better than him that gives for us more value money. for half the money he, we're paying. And that's not even confirmed that they would take that much, but people are throwing it out there. But if you got it offered him for half a million, I'm like, no way. No. When does his contract end? He's still got another two years. Wow. It was a four-year deal. Oof. So they, they're going to have to take a hit or they need a Super League club, but I don't think... No, what they need is one of their juniors to come through in the halves, and it's just not one there, particularly not in the next six months that I could see shooting through. Well, I said it Maybe earlier. mid next year, 
one of the young twenties boys is playing cup. But Jock is very and small, he, and he's young. He's very he's small. Yeah, he's look. I've had a little bit to do with him with the flag. Lovely kid, very intelligent, um, but but physically, I'm not sure he's up to grade yet. He's played a few New South Wales Cup games, and if you get a chance to, he's been solid. Have a look at the West Mags Pies and uh, and he's playing. Have a look at him, and he is solid. Uh, but no, I think in the next six months, he's not up to it. So I, I don't think. I think it'd be fair on him to put him in for the remainder of this year or the start of next year. Well, from what uh, I've look, seen, they're, they're, they're good with Benji there. Benji and Luke Brooks are good. doing a good job. They're going to need a nine because I'm not sure Robbie Farrow is going to go around again. Uh, and um, oh, I, I threw that name out the start there. That Little's, Little's going very, very well, and he's going to be okay. But they're going to need someone to come off the, the bench. They're also not going to pay overs for him though, and I think that was the problem at the start of the year. It was another one of these situations where a manager's like, "We want this much," and they were like, "Well, no." Mm. He needs to play well. So I'm not really sure, injuries. even if they keep Reynolds, where he fits unless they've got an injury. And again, if people say put him at nine, he can barely finish a game at half. How's he going to go making 40 well, I can see why people say that. Because, I get that, but it's but more he, physical It's more position. his body. That's yeah. right. His body, he can't handle it. No. If he can't play an edge and make 15 or so tackles a He game, may be able to handle 14 and play 20 minutes of, of nine a week. But, but not for 900,000. He's going to get broken. That's exactly right. You can't pay someone eight nine hundred k. I'd rather take the haircut. I'd rather take the haircut now and go try and get two decent contributors or get one good player. That's my opinion, and I think for I, them, what I would do is go. On, I'd, I'd take whatever someone would give me and go and sign two of the best young halves you could find at 18, 19, 20, If you could do, do that. something, yeah. Or again, you need to do a little bit of what Ivan sort of did when you he know, first got well, there. Well, I'd be I'd be monitoring the Tyro May situation very closely. Like, is he going to? Firstly, when he if if and when he gets cleared, are Penrith then going to sack him? Well, Could st- you then pick him up? I what still, sort of sanctions come in on top of yeah. that? I still really thought what you were saying in the preseason. I said it before that'll happen. To me, he was the guy they were going to switch to nine, and he'd played there. Kenny's obviously coming and did that job, but I was looking at that and thinking, to me, I'd be swapping him into nine. Mm. Um, if he became available, we know that's he can play point. 6, 9, he'd fit, 13. He'd fit the Tigers. He would. And the way they like to play with Benji, Brooks, etc., um, I, I think he definitely fits. But mm. for Maguire, an understandable bit of frustration. Uh, he's a hard man. He wants results. He wants guys to buy in. But I think you're right. More the timing of the whole message. Uh, yeah. It, it's very, very specific heading into that finals run. He needs to get a result now. But... I dare say their off-season is going to involve a few of those bigger names that we mentioned and possibly trying to get some of them moved on from the club. But moving on from West, tackle four. Uh, the Mark Coyne situation, there's been a lot of up and down during the week. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. We're not really big on... No, well, let's touch on it. But, yeah. he, um, he was arrested in Singapore. He had to stay there for something like six weeks. Well, it's a country you don't want to get arrested in. That's... There's, there's some crazy laws. I think you're not allowed to spit... He swore. He said, this is a fucking joke or something to a police officer. The police officer then locked him up. He didn't have his passport. Anyway, the media has spun this in a way that I don't think is fair. Mark Coyne sort of kept it to himself and I don't don't think there's members of his family that he didn't even talk to. I'm I'm only reading what I've um, consumed in the, the Australian Sydney Morning Herald. I try not to read the Telegraph with all due respect. Um, Just on what has actually happened here. And as far as far as I, I am aware, he wasn't under the influence of alcohol. Like, he wasn't yeah, blind. I honestly, he might have had a couple of beers, but he, he certainly, certainly wasn't aggressive because of the alcohol. I think he was aggressive more because just the way that the, the police and the corruption there that he ran into. 
and it's just led him down this garden path. I, I don't understand what he's actually done wrong well, it's a very, for him to get sacked. I've never been to Singapore, but from any, a few mates that love it and say it's a beautiful, very clean country, they're extremely strict. So, again, the original bits I read, and, strict and I haven't corrupt. read all of it, and I've barely watched half of it. They thought he was... People originally were saying, and again, you'll say it at the papers, that he was sourced and he was swearing and carrying on. I wouldn't have a clue. I barely paid attention to it. The big thing that pissed me off, again, like you're saying... Every punter and Joe out there jumped on board with this and tried to compare it to the DeBellum thing with the stand-down policy. And I was going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's two very different things with domestic violence and sexual assault and rape allegations as opposed to a guy who may have had a couple of beers and swore but at a police officer. What? You the, can't the argument even, today shifted in the papers to... Um, that was a crazy thing when I read some people go, yeah, he should be instantly like, well, you're comparing... Two very different situations. Well, you are in the fact that one's a player, one's an administrator. And he's a first-time offender. and he's. But is, he hasn't offended. What has he done? It's my kind of whole point. He's he, done nothing people wrong. People were trying right? to compare it to an allegation or a case that's in court right now, like I said, for sexual assault or rape. And, and you that, know what? Peter Beatty staying over in Perth on holiday and not coming back and just nipping this in the bar yeah. has made it worse for Mark Coyne. Yeah. He's tried to resign twice according to the papers. Mm. So, look, I, I honestly hope, and look, we'll leave this one here, but I honestly hope that he um, he doesn't leave and that this just gets put to bed for what it is. It's a it's a minor issue in a foreign country that could happen to any of us. Yeah, and I more go back to what I said before. I don't really like getting into a lot of this stuff. Not saying it's not doesn't need to be addressed, but I generally like to stick to the football. But when you read some of the stuff around it, and again, I've paid as much attention or read everything or listen to everything but when I read those kind of comments from punters out there I was just like come on man that's that's pretty extreme to compare yeah. the situation I, I get the whole oh, he's it's a, not the they're players, players and administrators they're, they're totally different and this is a totally different situation they, what Jack DeBellin did was in Australia this was overseas in a hostile environment without a fucking passport so, like I said I, I, don't, I don't know the ins and outs I'm not going to go right into it but yeah that one uh, should have been solved sooner by the NRL. But tackle five, one that uh, you threw up earlier, but it's now been resolved. I've just seen it before. The kick out hit. He has been proven guilty, and he's got two weeks. Two weeks for that. So he was charged for a shoulder charge. I've just had a look at the replay a few times. Penrith fans should be livid. It was at the far end of the field on the night. Hard to see. Seeing the replays, I thought there was an attempt to wrap an arm, and when he got in there, he got him on the wrong shoulder because his head was on the wrong side. I don't think he made contact with the head. I think it was a blatant shoulder charge. And then initially, other people were talking about it as if it was late or a dangerous hit on a half. I understand why we're doing what we're doing, and we should be protecting halves, and there shouldn't be dog shots in the back or late shots. But at the same time, halves coming in the line, back rowers at some stage have to engage. You can't tap everyone with a feather. I'm not saying, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't blindside them, you don't wipe them late. But if you're going to come into the line, you're still going to get popped. That's football. Mm. Um, and when I watched the replay again a few times, two weeks for that, that's, yeah, we're definitely heading the wrong direction. I'm all for that rule, but I think that one was crazy. And even the shoulder charge grade, like, yeah, I think he got him on the wrong shoulder and it looks like a shoulder charge on because his arm's kind of tucked in. The other one went around him. I don't think it was a classic textbook blunt shoulder charge in all it's honesty. It's a try-saving tackle. But at the same time, yeah, like, as, as a back row, what do you do now? Every time a half comes in the line and you get caught in two minds, that's a half's job. Hitting them late's different, like, but, yeah, two weeks. Did you think it was a shot that, like, a full-blown shoulder Dude, charge? No, Dufties. No, the kick-out one. But no. then on the flip of it, if you're going to call that a shoulder charge, well, I know Dufties was a save a try, and I didn't have a problem with that one either. The night, neither of my shoulder charges. 
But again, you're going to get all these people. This is the rule. Look, last year I argued the Billy Slater one. Billy Slater one. No one will ever convince me that was a shoulder charge. Yeah, everyone hates Billy Slater because you're going to save a try. When it comes to saving a try, you do. If you're going to put your body on the line, that's that's the sport, man. We play a collision sport. That's a collision. Yeah. You're not because gonna, you know why there's no there's no wrapping motion there because the only there's only two things that are going to happen. Yeah. Either he goes out or he or scores. You, or you roll at the top of him. Whatever. Or he scores. You got to put body to body and check someone. That's fucking two scenarios there, ladies and gentlemen. And, Duffy and if that's it. my player, I want him to put his body on the line and stop the fucking try. And you know what we've seen at the park? Like, remember when Billy broke his shoulder, like his shoulder, trying to get Ryan Hall, and yeah. you hit him like a brick shit. Let's, 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 let's go back to this one. It's ridiculous. I think the, the only error Kickout made is he made a tackle. With his left shoulder, when he should have made yeah, it with his right, right shoulder, shoulder which meant that the shoulder came across the front of Nichols yeah. and hit him sort of square, mm. and it made it look a lot worse than what it actually was. Yeah, I didn't think it was anywhere near as bad. And again, we're not Panthers or Dragons fans, but I just I'm think... not. I, if I was a Penrith fan, I'd be livid with that. Yeah, and I even heard, especially now, like you're running into Canberra, Sterling, and a few of the older halves. I heard in the last few days again because I wanted to watch the replay. I watched it a few times today. A lot of people were quite surprised. They understand the rule, but they thought that even was a bit extreme in itself. So. Big blow for Canberra. Oh, sorry, big blow for Penrith coming into Canberra, which, in all honesty, in this seven-game run, I think this is the hardest game they're going to have. Absolutely. They did play the Roosters in South, and I spoke to a, a Bias fan at work yesterday. He was blown up. Going, we fucking gave it the Roosters. I'm, he's like, telling all that played. I'm like, yeah, but there was still no Jared. There was no friend. There was three or four players out, and you got them during Origin when you only had one player in. So I'm not taking away from Penrith, but you got those two at the right time, at a good time. Now you're full of confidence. you got seven in a row. A tough Canberra side that's very, very good defensively, and you've just taken out one of their best strike weapons on the left edge, which opens a lot of stuff up. It's a big blow. It's a very big blow. Tackle six. Uh, the last one here, I, I pushed that Reynolds one. We had into the Reynolds one. For me, what I said at the start, the top four to me look primed. I find it really hard now the way things are going, and I know we're a long way out, to kind of see a team outside the top four beating one of them if oh. it finishes the way it is right now. Melbourne have won games without rep players, won their way through Origin with Bromwich, Nelson, Brandon, and of course Cameron Smith. The win other again the other week against the Dragons, a lot of people weren't happy with that penalty at the end of the game, but again, Origin affected heavily both teams. They found a way to win that game and keep themselves clear. Uh, the only two losses they've had this year are by two and one point to the Roosters and the Sharks, who obviously a side they struggle with and I think is a very good team. The weekend they play your mob. I know you're missing Taylor, but to me, I think you're obviously a better offside without him. I know the attitude's not great, but they rest five players. Still get the job done. Yeah. I see and they were down 12 nil. I see Hughes. Yeah, exactly. I see all the fringe players doing their jobs. I'm still not completely convinced on Croft, and I had a lot of messages going on about Croft on the weekend. I'm like, that's my whole point that I made at the start with. He played very well in games where there probably wasn't a lot of pressure expectation last year when he filled in, or the year before for Croft. Last year in this pressure, I thought he struggled. That game in the weekend to me is not a pressure game for Melbourne. They rested five players. They're going to the Gold Coast. They've got some bit players in. He's got Smith and a couple of guys around him. And he did what any good half should do. I thought he was much better. He played square. He engaged a line. Um, he didn't premeditate things. But in high-pressure games when everything's operating and going on around him, I think at times he kind of combusted them a bit and they don't yeah. go to him. Whereas on the weekend, I, I don't think he was on that duress. And he played the kind of football we saw him play earlier when he got his few sniffs at the first grade. So I'm not completely sold off him playing well against the Titans. No offence to anyone that did feel they need to inbox me on that one. But mm. uh, the Roosters, they still can't get a clean run. They lost friend 10 minutes in. They were clunky as shit throughout that game. And then they just absolutely obliterated Newcastle in a 15, 20-minute blitz rig. 
They've got strike all over the field. I still, they're still going to have to figure out their bench and who's going to play in their back line. Hall and Tupo right now are rivaling the best set starters in the competition as far as a wing pairing goes. Yeah. They've been absolutely incredible. Like Souths find a way to win, missing to me their three best middles. Liam Knight under Bennett, who's gone to the level I would have expected him to. Tom's not there. Sam plays on an edge but helps out with that middle, just giving another big body. They found a way to win their game. Um, and then you've got the Raiders. We've had a slew of injuries. First time kind of affected by origin. It's been an up and down year. Quick start. Then under duress for the whole second half, get home on defense. The key thing you need to win the competition. I think yeah. the only team right now outside that I can kind of look at, yes, Penrith fans, I know you're all beating the drum now saying, what about us? But again, I want to see them play the Raiders this weekend and they're a real good streak of form, is Manly. And Manly, to me, haven't had a great run either. Mm. They've had a lot of injuries, a lot of disruption, the origin period. They played well on the weekend. They're about the only side sort of sitting out outside of that top four that I'm looking at right now. Um, I think Newcastle's hit a bit of a flat spot. Parrish still very up and down. All those teams are inconsistent. That's how I'd describe yeah. it. I think it's four. Well, when you look at the ladder, I'd say there's three clearly that aren't making it. Titans, Dogs, Dragons. I think there's three or four that are clearly better, our yep. top four. Storm, Rabbits, Roosters, Raiders. I'd then say Manly are in their little echelon by themselves almost. Yeah. That they're quite not quite up to the top four, but I think they're better than the rest. Mm-hmm. And the rest are Eels, Panthers, Knights, Warriors, Broncos, Sharks, Tigers, Cowboys. To me, right? Yeah. And I would even throw Tigers, Cowboys, Sharks, Broncos, Warriors. I think they sit probably where they deserve to at this point in time. Well, if Penrith win this weekend or go very close without kick out, then I'm going to buy it. I'll tell you, in round 20... And they've got the Roosters coming up too, which is another real test. Not round 20, round 21. I was having a look at the draw. Round 21, Sunday the 11th of August, we have the Raiders versus the Roosters, Rabbitohs, Storm. It's top four, Sunday other. We're going to get a look at yeah, it. fantastic. So and Melbourne that's really Manly this week, you, um, so we're going to get a good yeah, look at Manly. That's going to give you a really, really good look in. And it's, and it's you know what, it's far enough away from the finals that those teams are going to go hard as sh- all hell to try and win that game. I'm disappointed about this kick-out thing, though, because this week, like I said, it's seven wins in a row is That's City to no Surf Day, too, big boy. I'll be on the cans at Revises well, that there day. You go. But I really wanted to see Penrith Super. play Canberra this week full strength. And kick-out is a huge blow. So if oh, I, it's if, massive. If they can jag it's that huge. win or go close, I'll, I'll buy into the hype train. Again, I know there's probably plenty of angry Panthers fans right now going, we've won seven in a row, you fuckhead, Ben, get on the table. No, I'd be pissed as well. The origin period pissed. in the last couple of weeks, like, this is the first real big game I'm looking at. This is a... Team unaffected by origin, ready to rock and roll. This is a big game. Massive game. So I, I hope they give a good account of themselves this week because I want Penrith to do well. I like Ivan Cleary. I thought he walked back into a shitstorm and a few people on the weekend were saying, oh, he didn't really solve this situation. It's kind of worked itself. What do you mean it's worked itself out? He walked into an absolute shitstorm. I think he's done an excellent job cleaning it up. And I like the fact they've injected some of these young blokes in and they're doing exactly what we said. They're having a go. Yeah, a few blokes were moved on. A few guys that I didn't think should have got paid, like Wanga Blake, got moved on. How many Panther fans are complaining now about Wanga Blake? They used to message us, "Oh, you don't like Wanga Blake? He's a gun. You guys are fucking idiots." I bet you feel differently right now. Yeah, like, Parramatta, they can have him. I hope he ends up playing good football. But I just thought the one in four good games compared to the three or four weeks where he made three or four errors and missed some poor tackles for the money that he was paid and the longevity of the deal. Fuck that. So I think Ivan Cleary's done a really good job. Yeah. So I hope they go well this weekend. But moving on from our set of six into our power rankings now brought to you by the Penrose Solar Center. You've got a system. I've got a system. The old man's got one. It's in the family. Bills are getting higher. You need to combat it somehow. So give them a call. The Penrose Solar Center, get on board with Jake and the boys. Award-winning 
They won the Penrith Business District Award or the Western Sydney Business Awards for Trades and Services. So they are the best in the business. But you want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon this season? It's getting slapped with a rising power bill that can put you more on your edge than an origin decider. Penrith Solar Centre are Western Sydney's leading solar specialist to help local families take control of their bills. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Contact them today on 1800 20 2930 to discuss how you can become the real winner this season when it comes to your bills. www.penrithsolar.com.au Number one box head, the Storm. No explanation needed. Storm. If one in all situations. Uh, number two, the Roosters for me. Yep. Can't I'm believe that scoreline after the first 60 minutes of that game, but they just exploded. Yep. And they've still got a couple of players and some moves to make. Uh, number three, South. Got some middles to come back. Yep. Got some injury things. They've gone through a rough period. I don't think they could have come out any better. And again, in particular, the Roosters and South through origin and heavy injury tolls never fell out of second and third. Yeah. Uh, number four, the Raiders. Self-explanatory. Raiders. Number five, Manly. Manly. Manly, have, again, depth, salary cap issue, had guys come back in, origin period. Uh, Des Hasler said at the start of the year I wouldn't put him at eight just because I wasn't sure if he was willing to change or what he could do. He's completely flipped this club, and if anything, uh, I know some people are talking about Trent Barrett getting the Dragons job. I think it reflects poorly on Trent Barrett for the way things finished at Manly and a very similar roster by a couple of scraps that Des Hasler picked up and the way they're playing for Des, I don't think they played for Trent Barrett. Yeah. So for Trent Barrett, I think this year, if anything's harmed his credentials at getting another job. Yeah. Number six, the Panthers. Uh, seven in a row, no fluke. I was looking forward to this weekend. That kick out thing's kind of a kick in the pants, but I hope they give a good account of themselves. Uh, another good win the other night. Yeah, I got the Panthers. And some players are turning around their form. Number seven, uh, these two teams you could have shuffled. I've stuck with the Eels. I think Ferguson was a massive out. Mm. They started okay. They scored a couple of times off kicks, but after that, they were just obliterated. They're still hot and cold. I've left the Knights at seven. Okay. I've, and got, I've got the Eels at eight. Yeah, I've got the Knights at eight. Again, uh, I think they're in a bit of a flat spot. They've had some real close losses. They gave a pretty good account of themselves during Origin, considering some injuries and some changes. But, yeah, they're just a little bit flat right now, and it was, I think it was just alarming how quickly that spiraled out of control on the weekend. They, they stayed in that contest despite the fact that I thought the Roosters were dominating through the middle and getting upfield easier and doing better with territory and possession. But it, it just got ugly way too fast. And I think to have like the five or six in a row, then to win six or whatever it was in a row, and then fall in a bit of this slump, uh, they need to wake up and they need to wake up fast because that slow start of the year effectively, despite that win streak, has put them in a very, very awkward position. A few more wins earlier on in the year when they had that streak and they were playing poorly, maybe I'm not so alarmed. Yeah, but there was two or three games in that period now that have still got them log jammed in that bottom part of the eight. So, yeah. and I've got I've got dogs, dragons, titans as gone like red pen. I've got sharks, cowboys. I think loser leaves leaves town that game. Whoever this loses that on Thursday. Uh, I've got the ti- tigers as last chance saloon. They run into the knights. And then in the mix and Dragons play upper. South this week. If they lose, they're gone too. Yeah. So there's uh, a few teams that are. Well, I've already got the Dragons gone. I, I think the Dragons can't lose a game for the rest of the year. So I've got them gone. Broncos last chance. The Titans. They need to win. Last chance. I've got Sharks, Cowboys, Tigers, and then I've got the Warriors and the Broncos in the mix. Uh, I'd probably have them at nine and ten if I had to rank, and then I'd have Sharks, Cowboys, Tigers um, at eleven, twelve, thirteen, and then. Dragons, Bulldogs, Titans would be 14, 15, 16. Well, but yeah. I, I like having those little tiers now that we're moving into the, the back end of the year. Well, like you said, there's a few clutch you, matches. Would you agree that the top five are now locks to play finals? Yeah. Manly up? Manly aren't falling out to me. I, don't, I haven't even looked at their draw, but I'm confident in what Manly is. Well, let's have a look. I think 12 wins get you in I'm confident year. in the top four. 
Manly have won. Melbourne have won, Manly have won 10 games. Melbourne are guaranteed one or two. If they fall to two, it's going to take an absolute miracle for the them teams, to The teams that are really... Like, even Penrith, have won nine, Penrith and Power have won nine games. So they're going to have to go three and four to get in. The teams from Newcastle down are the ones... Whoever has a record where you have more losses and wins, you're under some pressure. So if Newcastle happened to cough this game up this weekend to the Tigers, they'd be on an equal record at seven, um, sorry, eight and ten. That'd really bring them right back to the pack. So I think this is this is twofold for Newcastle this weekend. Not only can they just win, simple. cement their spot in the eight, but they can also really end the Tigers' season, I believe. Well, like you said, we've got a couple of crackers. Sharks, Cows is basically Lose the almost town. putting a nail in someone's coffin. Because whoever loses that will have 11 losses. They'll, have, they'll basically not be able yeah. to lose another game until the end of the year. Tigers-Newcastle is either going to drag themselves into a logjam with a bunch of teams in eighth spot or it's going to kick them that one spot clear. Dragons have to win. It's not a big pressure on South, but if they lose to me... Mm. Warriors-Broncos, like Eels... Eels-Warriors has got implication. Well, it does. Warriors win. Parramatta are so good at home. Yeah. Warriors have to win that game. And I think Penrith-Canberra, that's the only chance of kind of dragging Canberra out of that top four. And then the following week, you've got Tigers-Cowboys at Leichhardt. Like, that's, again, got huge implications. Warriors then run into Canberra. Oh, I can't see the Warriors making it. I think they've... They, Warriors run into Manly... The Warriors' run home is, is fairly tough. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, if, the Roosters. If Manly go down and give a good account of themselves against Sharks Melbourne, away, Melbourne this week and somehow get Melbourne. South. So the, for me, the Warriors are gone. The Warriors can't make the eight. They've got Canberra again. They've got the toughest run home out of anyone. Well, they didn't capitalise during the origin I period, think Brisbane. So. Brisbane are the side that, that are currently sit outside the eight. Well, they get four or five games in Brisbane. I believe that, yeah, have the chance potentially. Otherwise, I really do think that the eight may be solved. I still don't know if Brisbane will get home just off the youth. and I still Unless, think... like you say, Sharks Sharks can get on a little bit of a roll, win this weekend and, and but, get some money back. I don't think they back. have an easy draw either, though, do they? Yeah, well, it's hard to know. Hard to There's know. a lot of middle-of-the-road teams that could beat each other only a week. You just don't know what you're getting. But we move on now. Thank you to Penrith Solis. And I get on to them if you're looking for a system. That was our set of six. Very comprehensive and deep in discussion this week and our power rankings. Reviews of the games from the weekend. Box here. We'll make these ones quick. Broncos 28-6 to six over the Dogs. I think this one, uh, White seemed close at half time. It was just waiting for the Broncos to boil over. It all started for me with their props. Uh, again, Haas and Lodge laid the platform. Fafita and Pungo Jr. off the back of that are able to use their dynamic footwork, their speed, the busts, the offloads on the edge from Pungo Jr., uh, and then I think their bench is starting to get better and maintain their age. Pat Carrigan, I've been rapping in the last few weeks. He's been excellent. Yeah, Flegler's been a bit better. Offerhand Gowie. Uh, Milford at one makes a huge difference. He actually gets inside defenders to hold up and outside guys to question their decisions so they can get to the edges. Boyd uh, threw a nice pass. I still look at this whole situation and question anyone out there that thinks and has been saying that, oh, they were a genuine premiership threat with those players like dead set. Nick Arima, Kahu, Maguire. The only one that you can question is Maguire, and I understand the move. It was a salary cap move moving forward. So would you be happy with those three guys to still be there, or do you want to lose Coates, Did, and Flegler? Like, seriously. And I keep saying the arguments, and I saw, even saw an article this week, I'm not going to name where it was from, but seriously, the bloke needs to punch himself in the face multiple times saying that they fucked up, letting those players go. Okay, let's just let go our whole future then. And people saying, oh, Brisbane don't do rebuilds. This is Seabold's fault. He's doing a rebuild. The salary cap situation, none of you have a clue about, is clearly wasn't that clean. Mm. He's made some decisions for that reason. And for all the talented group they've got there right now, I'd rather be a Brisbane fan waiting possibly 18 months, whether it's not next year. I think they definitely should be a top eight side. But the year after, I think they could legitimately have a premiership winning team. Yeah. Um, I think they maintained what they had. 
They would have lost a couple of these guys. <laughs> Maguire's older. Kahu's injury prone. Nickarim is not a half. His best position to me is fullback or nine or a utility spot. They weren't going to win with that moving forward. No. Simple. James Roberts, the other one people are blowing up about. You want $700,000 for the way he was playing after what you've seen out of Katoni Stags for a third of the price. Let's not even go right. into that. It's a stupid article. It's, yeah. It was a stupid comment. A lot, anyone that's saying that Seabold's making the wrong moves is a bonehead. Um, I'd want this crop, and it's the worth... Crop, the crop there's good. It's but worth they're developing. Uh, I think they may sneak into the eight. They may not, but they'll be thereabouts. Yeah. They started the year it poorly, was the right no doubt. Move, they weren't playing well at the no. start of the year. They weren't playing well. They were just into a style. He, he, he moved out the wood there that, that loved Bennett. Yeah. There were plenty buy of Bennett in. lovers there that didn't buy in. They're a long-term project. They'll get better. Yep. They're not going to win it this year. It's worth it. They may not win it next year. They were too good for Canterbury because Canterbury are bad at football. Yep. Play on. Simple for the dogs. They lack go for Their forward pack struggles. They have good yardage. you got Dallin, Hopawada, etc. Um, but, yeah, other than that, they really struggle in the middles. They put in effort every single week. I'll give that to them, but they were just outclassed in this one. Uh, Pengai, Haas, Lodge, etc. All those guys very, very good. Moving on, Warriors, Sharks, 19, 18, Jumped out to that early start. The Sharks uh, thought questionable that tap forward by Sherry, then yeah. tap back. If that's you know goes to that rule where you're not allowed to promote the football, honestly, I hate that rule, but at the same time, it is what it is. I couldn't believe they didn't check it. And I also thought the Nikora pass later on when the Warriors pulled themselves back and was forward. But insane to me, like I said before, I don't know whether to wrap the Sharks for how well they defended given that they gave away 80, 90 tackles inside their own half and were pinned, or 40, 50-plus inside 20? Or were the Warriors just so bad in attack that they couldn't get themselves over the line? I will give them some credit for holding on being so resilient for such a long period of time because it literally felt like the whole game was played at their end of the field, but the brain snapped off a feeder to put 12 on the field and the Warriors still barely got away with it. Mm. They kicked a field goal and they almost conceded one right at the death. I thought they were insane not to try and score a try. They were rolling up field easily. Um, yeah, blowing away, but massive disappointment again for the Sharks. Like we said, five losses in a row. Moylan's apparently going to be out this week. Anyone could have won that game like Yeah, for feeder, suspended. Early, for the first 60 minutes, it was it was a strange game. It was to and fro, and there were moments and periods of momentum for both teams, but uh, I thought the Warriors probably deserved to win it. Some of these numbers are ridiculous. Though, and it goes back to what I just said. 1,900 metres to 1,100. 530 post-contact to 320. Uh, yeah. uh, the metres per set were 44 to 31. There was 392 tackles by the Sharks to 290. 60-40%. Mm. Like, 32 minutes in possession, like, in the game without stoppages and all that to 21. And they still only won by a field goal. Mm. So I have to give Cronulla some rap for being yeah, sure. in tough conditions and still missing some players. But... For the Warriors, you say it every week. Two of us are check. I tell you what, if the Dallium system was based off three, two, one for both teams every game, like I think he'd come close. He'd win the Dallium medal. Mm. He's ridiculous every week for them. Uh, the way, and then more importantly, again, we talk about in the past. The thing I love about him is, regardless of how many years have gone past, he still turns up play one, play two. It's the dirty parts. It's the effort areas in his game. It's the small stuff. It's pushing through the middle. Willing to take those carries, and you even saw you pointed out where they, they used him for the field goal setup or to save a set when they need to get a quick play the ball to get a good kickoff. Mm. They struggled there back end of the game for one, and Blake Green threw him the ball, and he took one of the hit ups that eventually led to one of the kicks before they pinned him down to half again. Like the, the bloke's just a freak. Yeah, he's a dead set freak. But uh, Armour, 
Jazz Tavanga, they've just locked back up. He's another guy I think a lot of people would be interested in. The Sharks, they only had one forward over 100 metres. They got dominated in that area. It wasn't a great night, and Fafita's brain snap pretty much sums up where they're heading at the moment. Panthers, Dragons, 4-18, seven in a row after six losses in a row. Um, I don't know what else to say other than I, I think for the Dragons side of things, everything we kind of said earlier. I think there's a knock-on effect from their back five. I think they really struggle in yardage, which puts the forwards on the back foot. They make way too many errors out of the back side of the field. Those guys have obviously carried the burden. Missing Jack hasn't helped. They miss Sims for a bit. They miss Graham. Why those guys, I don't think, are, are, are as big a knock as what you think. I think the Jack thing's had a bigger toll on the group than what we even think as well. They've had long enough to get I know over that. it. I, I still think they've had some people kind of in and out, but yeah. After well, the origin, not in and out. He trains there every day. No, not night. him. They've had people in and out of their side as well. Yeah. And I think the Widop thing, I know he's coming back this week, but I still don't think that's enough to help him. He, he, to me, when he said he wanted to leave before Christmas, mentally I don't know if he's even really invested. Yeah. Off another shoulder surgery, if I'm Widop, I'm more worried about trying to get out of there healthy to get to England. Mm. So this week my question was, would you play him at six or would you play him at one? We haven't seen the lineup. I'd play him at one because it, Norman's going to be a six moving forward. Yeah, and I think at one I was sitting there going, well, does he have the juice in his legs after such a long layoff? But if he's playing in the front line and I'm south, I'm destroying him. Yeah. I'm running back rows inside, outside, and just pressuring him all day. So I think this week, I hope that shoulder is good for his sake. I don't want him to get see him get injured again. But, yeah, the Dragons the other night... Um, Completely off the boil. There wasn't many guys that can hold their heads high. Defensively, they were poor. It felt like the half where they were running towards us on Beer Hill, it felt like Penrith were just attacking the whole time. Mm. They couldn't get out of their own end. Penrith were great. Uh, a lot of forwards. tarmao has been good all year, along with Fisher-Harris. I think Campbell Gillard slowly pulling himself back in. Uh, everyone's doing their job. I think the other thing, big thing on the night in slippery conditions, as we know out there, at slippery and Penrith. Their kicking game was outstanding. They scored three or four times off short kicks. Maloney come up with a couple... Uh, Toto again coming into grade he's proven himself to be a hell of a player off that edge there Brett Naden's an absolute bargain and a freak of a player uh, at moment talk about cap moves they've got they've freed up space in their cap and got better players yeah they've got younger keener so. fresher they've flipped their nine situation they've got confidence back in their fullback who were struggling their players like Campbell Gillard and a few like we said that were playing poorly they've boosted back up with the injection of some of these guys It's everything's just flipped around yeah, and yeah, I think James Maloney. There's been talk about him shouldn't be able to move on to England, or they shouldn't let him go. And talk like a club like Brisbane could use him for a year, or Penrith might hold him for another year. I think now that their cap situation sorted, they may consider keeping him around for another year instead of moving on to Jerome. But at the same time, I, I think people saying that Jerome needs to wait for another two years or so are underestimating the ability of Jerome Lua. But I could not blame Penrith if they've sorted their cap situation and Maloney's healthy and ready to go if they make a deep run into the back end of the year, if they keep him around for another year and don't let him go to France, unless, of course, that's what he wants. Yeah. But, yeah, I think in this one for the Dragons, like we said... The, the, I wouldn't know. With Maloney, if he wants to stay, let him stay. Yeah. If he doesn't... If he doesn't, you don't want to yeah, keep yeah. someone that doesn't that's want to right. stay. So that's so. the main thing for me. If there's an offer and he wants to go, they, they can't hold that against him. No. Um, I think the big one on this is the, what's been made the last few weeks, particularly defensively on the edges... And even in the middle. They're getting beaten up in the middle. They can't control the ruck. Some of the tries, like the, the simple long pass out of dummy half to tip on to Campbell Gillard and how compressed the Dragons were on their line. Soft. The two pass for Leota, which was near the post, was just terrible. There were some real shit tries. Defensively, they're awful at the moment. Um, they don't know each other. They've got no line speed. They've got no intent. They're not winning rucks. Their edges are all over the shop. Blokes coming in, coming out, holding, turning in on their inside shoulder, sliding off in the, the backside. 
That's a bigger issue. They're they're not connected no. defensively. Their decisions De- defensively, aren't they're all over the place in all the different areas. In particular, the edges. When they lose the middle and they get to their edges, their edges are just absolute disgrace. But yeah, there was a lot of good players for Penrith. Similar with the Sharks, the, the pack struggled. The back five made errors. Uh, they only had one player again over 100 meters. Uh, only a handful. Laurie was okay. Leilua had one good stint off the bench. McKinnis had a pretty good game. But for Penrith, plenty of good players. Roosters, Newcastle, 40 out of 10. I honestly can't believe the score after having a look at this one. Like the Roosters were very clunky, very poor. Some very poor penalties allowed Newcastle out of the area, even though I thought they were very dominant in getting upfield and winning the middle. Uh, they gave us some poor penalties. They had some very poor errors. They had some set-ends that were quite poor, Cooper Cronk in particular. Later in the game, he was upset standing but early doors. They lose friend after 10 minutes. That puts Radley straight back on that nine spot where we know he's solid, but he's so much better playing at 13. They kind of muddle their way through. Latrell picks up that intercept try. Their first try, by the way, off the, the offload when Tokio got in the middle. That That's close to try of the year. That was a perler. Newcastle, I thought, did a good job to hold on. Yeah, I think did. the Roosters helped them out majorly with the errors and the penalties they gave away, but... Some of the tries Newcastle bomb, like Connor Watson from dummy half reaching out and just missing that one. He was great off the bench. And Ramian in the clear space when Ponga cut through off that offload from Kurt Mann and leaving that ball behind. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's a moment you look back on and just go, wow. At 12-10 when they scored early in the second half, I'm thinking they're still in this despite those blown opportunities. But then the Roosters... Just... I never felt like they were in it. I've got to be honest. I, I just oh, felt they like the Roosters... Around, they they were hanging like, around. Yeah. But watching the game from start to finish, I just was never really convinced Newcastle were going to win. Yeah. Even when they were close, I thought, nah. Well, I'll tell you what. Roosters got more in the tank. When the drop saw came, it came, and it came big. Mm. Uh, it, to me, it all started off that Tedesco line break off one of the kick returns where he scoots upfield and then they put a lot of pressure on Mann and a lot of people again on social media and we had a few messages again saying Raymond's terrible he's overrated how bad defensively when the half and we're talking before about being connected is jumping in on a lead runner which is already covered by someone inside and putting you out on an island Mm. you're going to look pretty bad defensively but he left him posted a few times there where Raymond basically had to scream in and just pick someone or hold a few times he did quite well to stay on his inside cover then check off and get to his outside but the contact's not strong enough. Yeah. But Kurt, man, they isolated him. They picked on him a few times. They got past him a few times in general play, but that, that's something moving forward. I think Newcastle still don't have sorted. Uh, I look at someone like Connor Watson. He's been awesome at fullback, but obviously you're going to leave Ponga there. And, you know, if you move into six again, they've already done that. That didn't work out. But then I think Watson playing at six is better than having man there. Yeah. But I think Watson's versatility is the enemy of him. I think nine's his best spot, but they don't know what they're doing with Levi yet. But they've signed jaded Brayley, so I still don't know what they're going to do with Watson moving forward. It's a position of moving parts at the moment. So I think six is the one spot I'm looking at, and I'm kind of like, okay, defensively, uh, he's had a couple of okay uh, okay games, but he got picked apart. In attack, he's solid. 
but I want more of Connor Watson on the field. I honestly think I'd probably move him into six. As great as he's been off the bench playing for Levi, I think that there's got to be a decision made soon. Yeah. In those two key areas. We saw it stay stable for a bit. We know that Pong is the one. We know that Pierce is the seven. But Connor Watson seems to be effective playing at one. That's not going to happen. And he's effective playing at nine. So he either needs to start and play more minutes or he needs more minutes off the bench. Yeah. I, just, yeah. Yeah. I think their forward pack also on this one again was somewhat dominated. Clement did a really good job. Uh, he got plenty of minutes, laid a bit of a platform, but I, I thought at will, in particular, Jared Weyahagos, he was absolutely huge in this game. And he had a chip on his shoulder, I think, from the last time they met. Um, yeah, to lose friend, they rested Manu after his few weeks at fullback. Yeah, I, I sit there and a lot of people are still questioning the Roosters. If they get it right at the right time of the year, it's not rocket science. Mm. I think they're better than Melbourne. I think they're the best team in the comp if they get everything together on their day. Yeah, so. No doubt about it. Newcastle. And they haven't, they haven't had their starting spine on the field. Nope. And it happened again. For one and a half games. It so happened again. The whole they lost friend again. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I think Radley's better at 13. We've said this before. A lot of people are like, Radley's a nine. He's not, he's not a nine. 13's his best spot moving forward. Yeah. We saw that last week. Although he's really, much more effective when he can get out, play through the middle, ball player, run, pick his, pick his moments. He's, he's a really, really good player when he just gets to float around the field. Um, Tedesco's a freak. Again, much like Roger Tuivasa-Shek, I think every week we can talk about it. Their two wingers and the set starts they had were massive. Hall and Tupo, they're on another level. Toki, just all around. Newcastle, Ponga had a good first half. Clemmer, SESE, Watson was good off the bench, but wow, that got ugly. Raiders, Tigers, 20-12. to 12. This one, old boys night. They started red hot. I was worried for the Tigers early when you see a front row crash over from dummy half where three middles are just watching the nine, mm. and he just pushes his way through. Nickel clog start off season, nice little kick not long after. Um, before you know it, they're just rolling. They couldn't control the rock after the first twenty minutes. It's kind of a bit of a blowout situation. They get the half time uh, at twenty to six, and I'm sitting there going, like the Raiders are going to go on with this and put a cricket score in. They looked a much more dominant side. I thought the Tigers steadied things, but I thought second half, after a very poor half for both of them, completion wise, they're both in the sixties. Yeah, and again, it's hard to hold the football down there in a wet night that they'd get over the top of them. But the Tigers come out second half, clearly after a spray, felt like the whole half was played in Canberra's end or they were getting the possession or territory or picking them apart. But the, the one upside coming out of this performance, why I don't think it was pretty, is what we haven't seen in the past from Canberra and we've seen this year. Defensively, they were outstanding. They defended inside 20. They scrambled well, their asses off. There was more the scramble. Yeah. I don't think structurally they were that great. They turned over a lot of ball. Effort, they were good. But yeah, those try-savers, the effort was, was very good. Yeah, and then, then late in the game when they're under the pump, the one went off Luma, got hit by Croker and threw the ball off the ground. There was the scramble effort from Caesar to cover up when she came and that got through and there was the offload. There was just a lot of effort that we haven't seen in the past and a lot of resilience. And they just did a really, really good job. And again, they only completed in like the 60s, I think. So to do that and, and almost set yourself on fire in the second half, I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, I agree. I agree. For the Tigers, I guess it's what Madge said. Like, where were they the first 20 minutes? Like Brooks and a couple of these guys that were non-existent in the first Perhaps. half. That's where they were. They threw the kitchen sink in the second half, and he was quite effective. Brooks thought him by had his moments, but he made a couple of errors. Benji made a couple of errors, but when you're chasing points, that's what happens. Yeah, um, they kind of threw themselves in a bit of a hole after that setup. But yeah, I think Caesar. It's a good thing for them if he finds form. He had a really, really good game, good kicking game. That cutout pass to him was good. If he gets to the kind of form he played with the Titans with a Jack White out of an Origin series. They've now got a really good fallback in Nick O'Clockstad and they've got Hodgson. That's just another big tick heading into finals if Aiden Caesar's playing good football. Mm-hmm. If their spine's solid and he brings a much more varied 
and better kicking game than Jack, who we've seen get better, but he also kicked one out the full made a few errors again the other night. The less I think Jack has to kick, unless it's clearing because he's got a big boot, the better. Hmm. So that's a plus for them. Papali was massive. Soliola as well. But, yeah, Papa was huge on the night. Hodgson, a few more weeks back. He's looking good. Um, but good win for the, the Raiders. And like you said, the Tigers, they're on the ice skates now. They've got to start making moves. Maguire's throwing down the gauntlet. We'll see Absolutely. what happens. Yeah. South Cowboys, 30-18. to 18. Uh, Cowboys were a huge chance in this one. And to be completely well, they honest... They led by six with nine to go. Watching that last... 10 minutes or so on the way they considered those tries. Well, Jake uh, Clifford, I thought, had an absolute shocker. He torched the Cowboys all night with his kicking game and end of sets. Well, and that's just about where I would leave it. Because I, of... I thought the, the, the game, the fact that South were able to come back late was due to the mishandling and the consistent poor end of sets that released the pressure on South Sydney for the first 71 minutes of that match. They were. They should have won that game, Cowboys. I, I think that that might be their season. But that, that loss. That, that's kind of been their season again. We cut them. Has been their season. Yeah, they've had a few close losses, and yes, they lost Tamalolo for a bit. They've had guys in and out. Morgan hasn't been consistently there this year, and there's been a lot of change. Their outside backs has been a mess as well. But it feels like they've had a handful of these games that they needed to win. Uh, the Tigers game in Golden Point, the Canberra one with our right. They've had a few of these this year. Yeah, and they all add up, and somehow they're still kind of there well they're but, around yeah. only because the others are just as bad exactly and just as inconsistent they're another one like the Sharks that if you've put the shoe on the other foot and they flip things around they probably stay healthy mm. they could be in the top four or they could be at least well entrenched but that's in not the, the case yeah. but they're not their middles had a real big chance which is why we both tipped them I think they had no their middles Tom. were good they, yeah. their forward pack ran that, all that over was the reason we I tipped thought. them there there was no Tom no George no like Sam Cameron Murray no was Liam good but, and Ethan Lowe got a couple of tries but I thought their for forward the, pack was for controlled. the most part they they won the middle oh they won the middle Tom Lola was massive yeah. they all got off the back of that and did their job as well Granville had a nice moment I thought that fifth tackle short side play the felt specky the grab from the air that was an absolute yeah. perler but the misses I think bothered me more than anything after all that effort there and I know the set ends didn't help but the two tries and the, the the tackles that were missed were poor. Gavin Cooper and Maguire got split by Murray, like two guys that have played Origin and high-level football. That's poor at that time of the game. The Roberts won, same deal, where he drifts across field. You know he's going to pick a slot eventually. Yeah. He beat Maguire and Granville clean when he got through and threw that ball back on the inside. But the way the scoreline ended, if you looked at the score and watched the game, it doesn't reflect how that game went. No. But that's the difference no, again. It was, yeah. it was ridiculous. That... Anyway, this is the difference again. We talk about that. This is why South are in the top four. Mm. They've been there all year. Look, one thing I've, I did notice, and I made this comment about Brisbane the week before, was post game in the sheds. I thought South Sydney looks such a happy group. Yeah, they are such a happy group. And and man, it reflects on the field. Again, said at the start of the year that I, a lot of people said they don't have enough on the bench. I said that I was behind Tola and that Bennett would do a good job with Liam Knight, late pickup, and he got low. And look at all of them. Yeah, and anyone that's come that's did a job, Burns is back and playing, and he's looking healthy and getting better. Roberts had one of his better games. They've still got to get all three Burgesses back. Alex Johnston, I think we've almost forgotten about. Yeah, to me up there with no Burgesses is, is huge. Yeah, and Liam Knight, and you still got Johnston, so he's technically got four guys that'll be back very soon and featuring. And George isn't back until late, and I don't know if he'll be back in the side. In all honesty, but those other four guys are all going to play a part in them pushing towards the finals. I think so. South is still ticking along. Good job. Cowboys, uh, yeah, things are looking very slim at this point in time. Storm Titans, uh, fast start for the Titans. 
Smith uncharacteristic intercept early on. Then Wallace crashed past him and Nelson. Not good. They look chirpy. They look up for it. And I was thinking, okay. I was actually more angry than anything because I think I said it to you. I don't know which player made the comment during the week, but they said, oh, I just feel like the pressure's off now and there's a lot of relief and that we had a really good week at training and we're, you know, things are just better and everyone trained harder. And Whoever said that, they should yeah. sack. I was just sitting there It was going, Dale Copley, I think. Why Why suddenly? What, what do you mean you the pressure's off? Right. There was only one bloke under pressure. You got him sacked. What, what pre- like, yeah, that pissed me off. So yeah, at 12 cool. now, you control the intensity yeah, that you bring to exactly, training as, as an individual and as a professional athlete yeah, and as a whole. And when they got the 12 zip, I was sitting there going, Here we go, the typical we're going to fire up, pin and that up on the board, this week. pin that up on the board yeah. as what shit culture looks like, exactly. And they got beat by, and I was about to say that no offense to bang on the Melbourne drum, and everyone's probably sitting there going, oh, Fuck off, Lewis. But five players out, rested. Uh, whether you think that's harsh or not from Bellamy's side of things, he clearly thought the group was good enough to get the job done, and they did. They, they could have run backwards and beat the Titans. They come back from Seriously. 12 zip down. Uh, they made that late shuffle to put Pappenhausen at the back and have a full game. He had an absolute cracker. Hughes and the halves looked good. <coughs> Proft. And I think the sadder part for me, again, even after the quick start, they pulled them apart everywhere. They got them on yeah. both edges. They got them in the middle. Defensively, there's still no resilience in the Titans. Um, Smith had a field day, especially in the second half. Croft, yep, I got a lot of messages about that. And good on him for having a good game, but it wasn't a pressure situation. Yeah. It wasn't a game that Melbourne had to win. You're playing a team that's trying to last. And, yeah, that's why when people bang the drum, do that against the Roosters or have one of those games against the top four side for us. For a month. Be dominant and pull us through in those big moments where we can rely and go down that edge, which we should be able to with the players he's got around him. And I'll buy a bit more into Croft. But to me, I still stick by my opinion that I think Moving into the finals, I'd rather have Hughes and the Hars with Munster. And in five weeks, they run into them again down in Melbourne, the game we're going to be at. So my only hope is that they improve. I hope it's a decent I want game. To they, well, I think the Titans will improve. Oh. I, I think we're playing... I think that performance was slightly better than what I've seen, yep. you know, probably for the last month. So if they can improve, you know, by a try or two every week, heading up to that game, hopefully we can give you a run. Yep. And we did that. Moving on to the last one. Eagles have the Eels, 36 to 24. The Eels made a quick start in this one. Got a couple of tries off some kicks inside 20. They cashed in after the, the Eagles scored the first one. So at 12-6, I was like, okay. They fought their way back in. Ferguson's a big loss. So I was worried about that. Thought Paulo was doing a pretty good job getting them going forward, establishing some momentum. But when things clicked into gear for Manly, it's the same thing we've seen every single week. It starts from those two front rowers. Then the ruck gets rolling. Manisi Farnu is a freak. He had 150 metres from dummy half, six He's tackle fast. breaks. He gets on the back. He gets guys to hold up because physically you have to worry about him as a runner. Mm. Not only is he can he ball play and he's got the finesse and skill, he's a big number nine. Yeah. Cherry Evans capitalised off that. You've got the Trebojevic's. Garrett cashed in with a hat-trick. They pulled him apart again on all parts of the field. Um, the Trebojevic, like basically clone try where he took that one above head. It turned into a blitz rig for a bit there where they just scored four or five tries in a row and the game was over. The last two from Parramatta I thought were pretty soft by Manly. I'm sure Hasler wouldn't have been happy about that. But again, I think that more came as a result of the yeah. fact that they blew them off the park. So I think in this one we've seen what we've thought all year. Manly are consistently playing above their weight and batting above their average. And now that they've got their full team back, they look like a real threat. Uh, Parramatta are still up and down. As much as I think Ferguson's a huge loss... Week to week, uh, they're about as consistent as a wanker's elbow. We still don't know what we're getting from Paramount. Yeah. On their best day, they're a great side. Uh, they can throw up some good football. They can offload. They can be aggressive. They can get up and downfield. And they've got some classy halves and a good fullback. But on their bad days, 
especially defensively. I think they can be picked on on the edges, and they were torn apart in this one, particularly through the middle. They couldn't control the ruck, and they got pulled apart on those edges. Yeah. So there you go. For Manly, yeah, getting those three origin players back is big. The props are outstanding, and I, I still honestly think that Farnu is the long-term player there. Coruscant certainly started to lift his form once I think he felt the threat. But long-term right now, if they have to make a choice, and I think for a salary cap move, Farnu is your man. He, he's the long-term nine now. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and a lot of teams could use a hooker. I'm sure Coruscant would find a job at a drop of a hat. Imagine McGuire at the Tigers could possibly be one. I think there's a few clubs definitely could use him. Maybe they fit both in. I don't know. Mm. We'll match him at South. So. For me right now, Farnu, uh, yeah, I, I want Farnu locked in long-term playing in that role but there's a review of the matches from the weekend let's punch through some fan questions here Gary Stavrakis says I think South have the weakest fullbacks out of the top contenders do you think it's an issue I like Dewey even when AJ is fit but either way it's not a greatest option it's an thoughts. issue however they've got strengths elsewhere I think when Johnson's been healthy and in there he's proven that off the back of the way they like to play their football that big forward pack he's dangerous because of his skill set he pushes through the middle with Cook he can get on outsides if they create uh, damage rucks and get players to compress in. I think he suits the way they play. Is he the best overall fullback? No, but does he suit what they like to do? I think so. And I think they can win a comp with him playing fullback because I don't think that's the biggest area of concern for him. I don't him. think they can. Anyway, move yeah. on. Aaron Smith, Let's punch through these fuckers. Why is Paul Green's job security not being questioned? Well, because A, he won a comp, and B, he's losing close games against good teams. Barber, gone at the start of the year. A slew of injuries. Jason Tumlow missed six to eight weeks. Michael Morgan's consistently been in and out of the side. I think... I said as much last year, but I think this year there's been some circumstances that have certainly hurt them. Next year, he's going to be under pressure. Oh, 100%. Next year is go time. If they've got <sighs> Scotty Drinkwater, Morgan, Clifford, etc., all on board and their forward pack healthy, they need to get results. Plain and simple. The Buckster, over the last five, ten years, what do you think are the biggest innovations you've seen introduced into the game? On-field tactics, training styles, skill sets, etc. Wrestling. Would be the biggest sports science is another one obviously probably not in so much those but introducing the game it's probably been in the game for 10 plus years now hasn't it that's changed the way the game completely GPS data that sort of stuff yeah. yeah there's a fair bit of stuff you can go through but there are a few NL how important is talent evaluation and player recruitment the current top four clubs have great off season who drives this within each club does the coach deserve all the credit? No, recruitment no. does, but it's the most important thing that you can possibly do. Well, what did I say about Club Dragons? Right. And that goes back to that top 30. Melbourne consistently find these guys. The Roosters well, do sorry, a good it's, job. It's secondary to development. Mm. Development, number one, but talent evaluation and player recruitment yeah. is number two. You need guys that you can, can develop or get. But if you're Melbourne or you're the Roosters or you're a side that doesn't have a huge development it's pool, massive. then it's your biggest... It's huge. It's your biggest... Uh, Area of strength or weakness. People can kick up a stink. We've said this before, but you look at Melbourne consistently. Like Eisenhuth playing a couple of games now, hasn't played NRL in almost five or six years. Seve's been at three or four clubs. No one could get him into grade. Been contracted, Tigers, Broncos, etc. Plays down at Melbourne. Tim Glasby played under 20s, disappeared for two years, played Queensland Cup. Now he's an origin player. They consistently find guys with the right attitude and a bit of, like you said, coaching development and turn them into first graders. That's that's the goal at the end of the day. If you can get that, you're winning. Brad Millen says, Last year you could argue Papali was Canberra's most agile and mobile starting forward. Now this year he's playing front row and one of the least mobile. Is this where the game is heading? 
Uh, the big props dying off. It's certainly made a difference to Canberra. Yes, we'll look at Leilani and R2. Look at Shannon Boyd at the Titans, both playing like bustards or not playing in NRL at all. Yeah. And the game was always going that way when they lowered the interchange and there's calls exactly. to lower it to six. And look at the few rare big front rowers that do well. They've got mobility and a bit of dynamic speed about them. So you've got a Vaughn who's bigger body. You've got look Jeff. at the 13s. The 13s are now gone away from that big front row. They're yeah. going to your Murray, your Radley, that yeah. type of They're bringing back that skillful player. They've got to have a tip. Jesse Bromwick, there's a few, rare few big guys that have that speed and skill set to still play that style of game. But there's less of your clamors and those kind of guys now starting to come into grade or play those positions, that's for sure. Daniel Friend, why does a half defend at three in against a back row instead of four in against another half, leaving a back row on a back row? Even if the half needs to tie into the middle, it's generally an easier tackle to make compared to tackling a back row on an edge. Well, it means if he's, if he's at four in, he's more accessible by the middle. Yeah. And we generally teach our middles to try and get to the edge of a ruck or play wider for that exact reason. If you're a forward like I was, who was a bit smaller, a bit immobile around the middle, I want to start on the B or C defender because if they're lazy on that outside and you haven't moved up, I can skip across and get myself straight at a half, push the little bastard over and try and get a quick play of the ball, which then gives you the option to play to a long side and split the field, or you can jump straight down a short side if you've got good halves or a fullback sweeping around. So... It's a bit of an no-win situation. I think the big thing here, and you'd agree with me, you can't hide your half. No. Well, you can't hide him. one of the 30 on the field. You yeah. can't hide him. So you'd rather have him paired up with your back row and probably have a locker or a decent middle tight you up. You want to have him. good defenders either side of him. Exactly. That's, the, That's the bigger point. But, yeah, whether he's at four or three, I get where you're coming from, but it's only really a massive issue when you get him isolated one-on-one off a quick play of the ball or space. But, yeah, you're generally trying to get halves full stop. Uh, Dylan Say says, what do you think of Kikiao being suspendable? Joke. Yeah, we, we both Absolute give that one. joke. Lusta says, you're on the board at Manly. How much would you pay the Trebojevic brothers to keep them there? Uh, probably 900 each. I'd be happy to go a mill a piece, but I think the talk was the other day about Daly Chair Evans and that ratchet contract and him being close to 1.5. With all the money he's made, surely I doubt he would, and he doesn't have to because they gave him that contract. But if I'm Daly Chair Evans at 30, 31, 32, whatever he is, I'd almost walk in and say the length of the deal I want but I'm happy to cap that deal myself at a million dollars a year rather than have these ratchet claws and own a piece of the salary cap because that's still going to be a burden I think in a couple of years moving forward to some of the decisions they're going to want to make the short answer is as much as they want yeah um, if they yeah let's put it this way if man they don't give it to them or they're not someone within a vicinity will. someone will the Bulldogs would easily give them a million dollars a piece or more and they could find third parties. Plenty of clubs. Well, could. When I say nine hundred, that's on the cap. Whatever third parties they can give, I'd be throwing whatever I could possibly get at them. Yeah, we do that. Uh, who we got here? I think Jason Taylor would I think be it's a, conversation. a good fit up north. Yep, it is one of those conversations. That's cool. Uh, what do we got here? Scott Lockyer. Ever seen a five eight do less than Darius Boyd? Well, he's going okay. He's going better than what he was at one. Yeah, I think. Basically, what we said before. Yeah, I think it's doing, and less is sometimes more. I think it's doing a service for the team in the fact that they're getting better set starts with Milford. He's more of a threat on kick returns. He's more of a threat on those sweep lines. He gets outside defenders interested. They have to work harder from the inside. His speed and his dynamic footwork certainly opens up the field. And what you're saying, you don't need as much from Darius out in that edge. You want him to do what he did the other night when he threw that nice pass, nice pass out to the wing, someone at that three on two, yeah. make his tackles. Uh, Long term, I still wouldn't have him in my plans, but that's something for them to sort out in the off season like we spoke about. Yeah. What's going to happen moving forward. 
Uh, Dane Johnson says, hi, guys. Awesome job again. Any players from the 80s that would make it in today's game? I reckon Phil Blake also. Did you know about the secret KFC menu on the app? I sure did. I've got the app. Drag down the screen as Cartoon Colonel appears. Hold the screen for 11 seconds till the secret menu pops up. Ooh. I'm getting on the app right now. I'm getting on the app right now. I'd get mine, but I'm controlling the keyboard and all the bits and pieces. But players from the 80s, I wasn't born in the 80s, unfortunately. No, me either. So I don't have a whole lot uh, of memory of players from the 80s that could play today. Wayne Pierce. Bradley Clyde played in the 80s, didn't he? Yeah, Early doors. He's probably one of the ones I really remember. He'd definitely survive. Guys like that that are fitter, uh, different kind of skill set. But unfortunately, mate, I don't know. What what have I got to do? What does it say? It says here, uh, select order. And then when the menu appears, drag the screen down. As Cartoon Candle Sanders appears, hold the screen for 11 seconds until the secret menu pops up. Yeah. Wow. Good stuff. Cheers for that one, mate. Zach Gavin, who is the most likely to slot into the finals from 9 to 14? Is it a little too late for these clubs? Well, it's not too late if Newcastle, as we said, don't win this week and there's still six more weeks to go. Anything could happen. But outside right now from 9 to 14... The most likely side, I think you think it's Brisbane, don't you? Given their draw yeah. and being up. I think the big thing for Brisbane, they play the Titans this week. That's a must win. They play Melbourne the week later. That's the real one for them. Yeah. They'd need a win, definitely win this week, and then depending on results the week after, could effectively, again, depending on results, tell them where they're at in this season. I still think the one's the Sharks. And I don't think their draw is that easy, but if you want me to pick out of those sides and their roster, who should be doing better, it's Cronulla. But they're the one that's really, I think, disappointing at the moment. Uh, Mark Fitzpatrick says, match review and the judicial decisions. Well, again, uh, I think we disagree with what happened tonight, mate. So there you go. Paul Aguirre says, posted elsewhere, Fox Sports head of television, Steve Crawley, Daily Telegraph lead journalist, Paul Crawley, Dragons assistant coach, Mick Crawley. Is it any wonder McGregor has no attention placed on him? His assistant coach's family controlling the narrative. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I actually know a lot of guys that were under Mick Crawley, and he was really, really good when Canberra were down there doing that attacking job and a good coach at Newcastle. So whether he's family or not, I can say one thing. Mick Crawley's credentials as a coach, he's a good coach. Mm. As far as the other two, TV, journalism, uh, no idea. But again, we all know that journalists write what they want to write, and you don't have to buy into the narrative if you don't want to. But from a Dragons fan, Paul, and I respect you, and I respect all the fans out there, I understand the frustration, but... Yeah, the narrative seems to be at the moment that they've given him a two-year extension. He's well-liked, and uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do. But if they flicked him, it's going to cost them. Yeah. And I, I guess the next move then is who do they get in? And There's Demetrio, there's Holbrook, there's a couple of those guys, and Adam O'Brien. I think that would be a better chance of getting one of those, like we said, than the Titans or the Dogs. But if you've given someone a two-year extension, that's a big outlay of money. So I think right now... Um, they might do what Brock said and wait until the end of the season. If it seems like absolute turmoil, they may have no choice. But I wouldn't be firing him right now. No. This season almost seems gone. I'd let the season play out. We said it. We held on at the start. Yeah. Cheers for that champion. Josh Armo. How do you get Dugan to figure out that in the Sharks' best 13, he's a winger? Can look at his mate Ferguson and replicate it. Well, the best part of his game, and I think you'd agree, Brock's always been his carry. He's got a strong carry. can break tackles. uh, can drag defenders. Injuries are obviously a problem, but Mm. it's pretty much what we said before, mate. He just needs to buy in or piss off, really. Um, should be happy to be playing the fact that he's been in and out and so inconsistent and if he wants to play in a winning side and play finals football which he hasn't done a whole lot in his career if it has to be on the wing then so be it at this point in his career where you're 29-30 and you are injury prone you should just be happy to be playing first grade and hoping to play finals football and push for titles so let's hope he does buy in and get a better attitude 
Brennan Savage, is Little Puppy being used right? Should he be a full pack, a fullback instead of Hughes? Well, my opinion is what we said before, that reshuffle mm. uh, with Croft possibly being out of the side or they use him as the bench utility to cover a couple of those spots. I don't know. Or they bring in someone else to do that job. Whether it seems harsh or not, I think we look better with Hughes in the halves and Pappenhausen at fullback. Whether yeah. you know, it just depends. The, the whole thing is for Croft whether he's good or not, or he's solid. I think he's solid. Can you win a comp with him at halfback? I'm still not sold that Melbourne can win yeah, a comp I'm, with him at halfback. I'm not sure. But they've seen to push this far with him. I don't know if they're going to jump off now. Yeah, let's get to that point. Jay Strasberg says, "Boys, you might have covered already, but what do you know about oh, the Mark Coyne situation? Mate, oh, we, we don't really. Uh, I don't really know enough, but he says he read an article from a respected Aussie journalist making Coyne look pretty bad, trying to sweep things under the rug. But Gus on 100% footy shed some light to Coyne's side of the story and the rough spot he was in, which is obviously what you were talking about that you saw last night, bro. Yeah, I mate, I honestly didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it around work and all the different articles and videos. It was something I didn't uh, look into a whole lot, to be honest. I." I don't, I'm not saying I avoid the negative stuff or try and ignore it as a rugby league fan because I don't think they're negatives, but it just wasn't something I really delved a whole lot into. But uh, it's, it's hard to tell. I thought it was pretty right. It, well, the, wor- the, the worst thing he did was swear at a police officer and be drunk. Yep. Really? Like, that's worth getting the sack and all the hoopla that's going on? No. Nah. And to be fair, I'd, I'd trust Mark Coyne and I think he's got more integrity than a lot of other people in the game. Yeah. I mean, How yeah. many other times have he, has he fucked up in his career? He's been involved in the game for 30 plus more years. than 30 years yeah. and has never cocked up. So yeah. I'm with he's you got there. the runs on the board. Jason McGrath, you know, talks about expansion. I'd like to know your boys' opinion on it considering there's a few teams just in New South Wales alone that are struggling to survive. And being a Titans fan myself here in media, talking about moving the Titans, which won't make any difference. They won't move them. Either move them or get rid of them. You're not going to move the Titans. They're the Gold Coast Titans. All this fucking talk about relocation is ridiculous. If they're going to bring in new teams, they need to be new teams. Yeah. Not relocating teams. As a game, we need to grow up and bite the bullet. If a team's not pulling their weight or they're not financial, the broom goes through, the place shuts down, and someone else opens up. Yeah, it's as simple as that. There's been license pitched, like we said. There's the West Coast Pirates, there's the Brisbane Bombers, there's a few people that are looking to come back. What are you going to do? Move them? Like, you know, this, this talk about the Gold Coast Bears. Like, as a Titans fan, if they become the Gold Coast Bears, you can kiss my ass. And if you're a Bears fan, and I think that everyone said that, Billy Moore and a lot of people have said, well, being back in some capacity is better than no capacity. I get that. But genuine Bears fans, if they want to come back. But they also also would be the first to tell you they hated the Northern Eagles. Yeah. Which is exactly what that was. Well, look at West Tigers. West people still haven't really got on board with that. I'm sure Balmain people don't like the West side of it. St. George and Illawarra, I think, is a little bit quieter, but I think that's more from the financial point of view that the money mainly came from one side of the... The venture and it hasn't. It's been yeah, successful so somewhat. Plays finals most years, but not a lot of people are happy with any of the mergers. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, but expa- uh, expansion, we've talked about a million times, and relocation is a crock of shit. Unless, like Brock said, if you can't hold your license and can't do your job, die or sell it to someone who can take yeah, control of it. Please. But for the most part, we want to expand. We don't want to relocate. We don't want to piss off fan bases. We don't want to alienate people. If we want to do anything, we should be able to expand our game. But we need to do it the right way. Uh, we need to have a big enough base. And we need enough need enough money to go around, which I think a lot of people are underestimating the possibility that this next TV deal may be stagnant, similar amount, or maybe less, Yeah, which is a big talking point. Eric Smith, I always hear the term three defender. What does this mean? Is it the third player in from the wing? Is there a one, two, three, four defender? Yeah. Well, you basically got it right. It's third three. Third from the wing. 
Um, and yeah, generally, like we we're talking about before, when they're asking about the three and being the half or the four being the back row, etc., it's basically just yeah, it's broken up into three parts. You got left, right, middle. Generally, four uh, in your left, four in your slab, four in your right. Your fullbacks at the back. It also depends where you're attacking from. Who yeah. they're talking about? Yeah, you're if you're attacking from alongside the, thir- the three man, would be the man third from the ruck. It depends on where you're on the, in the field you're at. Yeah, it's just uh, another way they generally talk lingo when you're going after an edge. So yeah, three men. Shane Adard, if every club except the teams you follow came to you with good money to play for them when you were in your prime, which club would you have signed with any and why? The Roosters. Play with Brad Fittler. Done. Yeah, well, I think people have asked this before and I said similar. I think the two big clubs growing up during our time have been Brisbane and the Roosters. So as a Melbourne fan, generally those two teams at their peak or if you come to me tomorrow and said these clubs are all after you, I think given the way those clubs are run, the success, the history, the players that have gone through, the amount of rep players, the coaches, if there's two you'd look out for me, those are the two. Yeah. A lot of people would say, oh, you're Penrith locals or this, that. Oh, again, any club, any situation, the biggest and best clubs and the most successful clubs and the ones that have been ran well in my time being alive have been the Roosters, the Broncos and the Storm. They've been more successful than anybody. Yeah. So those are the three. Uh Dave Crellin says, is it a coincidence that Penner find form after losing some players, e.g. Zelezniak and Wanga Blake? Well, part of it's that, mate. Part of it's the new blood. Uh, and, yeah, the new coach buying in, turning some players around, and some of those guys that were walking around feeling pretty comfortable having pressure put on them by young guys and the possibility of being moved on. Yeah. So all those things fall into it. Stephen Delaney-Cruz says, yes, guys, still the best podcast. Do you think Damien Cook has been the next evolution in the hooker position? And in the future, hookers will need to have the speed of a fullback. I think, in my opinion, he's a rare rarity in that situation that generally when you've had hookers coming through the grades, and Brock would probably agree with me, you've either had guys that are really crafty and manipulate the ruck well, or you've had a guy that just dishes and tackles well like an Nathan Peets, or you've had that guy who's purely a runner but doesn't ball play, doesn't look up, doesn't manipulate. I think that he is one of the first to have that combination of being able to be a runner and get himself out of dummy half, but now he's added in and added that kind of part where now he's getting good at ball playing and he can count numbers and he's added a kicking game. But generally, it's kind of been one or the other. A lot of guys that have cook speed have generally been those bench impact kind of nines that don't ball play well or don't read things, and as soon as there's one marker or space, they just run. Yeah. But he's slowed things down and added those extra layers to his game. So I, I think in himself... He's definitely evolved, but I don't know um, if there's going to be many guys that are going to come through that are going to be that quick and also be able to add that side to their game where they can ball play and control the ruck and dictate a game, honestly, which now he's starting to do. Yeah, He's, he's a very rare case. There's no doubt about that. But would, ideally, would you like a guy to be Damien Cook and have that skill set and be that fast? Of course you would. I just think it's going to be very rare that you find a guy who's that quick, mm. who's yeah, out of those layers. Todd Yates says, can you explain how they charge kick here? I think more what you said before, Boxhead. Probably the uh, only way to explain it is that he got him on the wrong shoulder and he hit him more square on, but uh, I think it was harsh. It's harsh. I don't think it was a shoulder charge, mate, but yeah, with that crackdown at the moment. Yeah. Daniel Scott (laughs) says, putting your podcast on Stitcher, it cuts out for me on Facebook and CastBox. Daniel, I don't know if you've used the Audio Boom website, but I, from all reports, no one has a problem with that. So maybe try the Audio Boom website or download the Audio Boom app 
And if not, I don't know if you've got an Apple phone, but there's just a podcast app on there. I, I listen to a lot of other podcasts. I generally use that one. I think Brock used the podcast app on iPhone. Yeah. I don't know, unfortunately, because I'm not very technology savvy on Androids, uh, what there is champion, but I'll definitely have to look into seeing how I can get the podcast distributed in other media or platforms. I've had people before say that Spotify and that. I don't even have a Spotify account. Like I said, I'm a bit tech dumb, which you think would be better after six years of doing this. But, uh, yeah, much appreciated, mate. I'll, I'll look into that. If not, I'll send you an inbox uh, on here with Audio Boom. And if you've also got that iPhone, maybe have a look at that podcast app. Adam Stevenson, is it really any surprise the team with Moylan, Dugan, Johnson and Woods will miss the finals? Apparently, Mal is a fan of Woods. Any chance he can entice him to the Titans? Well, he's clearly a fan. He picked him for Australia when I didn't think he should have a couple of years ago for that World Cup. Uh, you know, you kind of do make it. I think Moylan proved his best football was at fullback when he was at the Panthers. He did play some finals. The Dugan one I didn't agree with when they bought him. Johnson, I think, again, Flanagan. Bit of an overreaction. I think Woods at the time last year was a good move because they got him for a decent price. Yeah. Um, he hasn't been good since he came back from his injury this year, but uh, yeah, they're in a bit of a hole right now. Benny Fisher says, I find it interesting how different coaches manage their teams late in the season. If your team's final spot is secure, would you rather see players rested and potentially lose a couple of games or play a full-strength squad each week and go into the series with momentum, but a bigger workload for your star players? I guess, again, that goes back to a little bit of what we said before. I think with the sports science and being able to monitor things and the workload, clearly if you're in Melbourne situation, like they were on the weekend, uh, they felt that all those guys that played the full series and had played a big part with a three-win gap, it was worthwhile giving a rest now. And during the week, a lot of things that I think, like we said before, people don't realise, guys may play games, but they generally get rested during origin periods through the training. They do a lot of rehab, a lot of massage, all those bits and pieces. If I'm Melbourne like they were on the weekend, playing the Titans, uh, who are missing some players and going through their own turmoil... And you're three clear. I have no problem with trying to break it up for a week, even if next week they're, they're not that great or a couple of those guys are a bit clunky. Full stop, whatever my performance staff tell me is best for the players health-wise heading to the finals, I want them as fresh as they can be. Mm. If they're good to go, then keep playing. You don't rest them unnecessarily. Yeah, correct. But, yeah, you, you go basically... You're off. on the side of caution because you've got that buffer. Exactly. Johnny Stewart says, Boys and I were talking today... How is it that Josh McGuire gets away with several gouges when others oh, cop on yeah. Who knows? That key word with, we always bring up, consistency. Mate, I think a lot of people have been dumbfounded by some of that stuff. Jeff Sims says, I failed to see how Dufty was not charged for the, his shoulder charge. It's basically, is Slater responsible for this? Oh, the Billy blame. It's back. No, the inconsistency at the judiciary, the judiciary. is the blame for Yeah, that. that's the one, Jeff, unfortunately. But again, like we were saying, in a, as a rugby league player... When you're heading over to a corner, like you're not really going to affect someone with wrapped arms or a normal general tackle. Like when it comes to putting your body on the line and trying to stop someone from scoring, that's a collision. Hmm. I think whether it's using your shoulder or turning yourself sideways, collisions are always going to be part of the game. In that situation, I think it's necessary. Uh, I think it always has been necessary, and it's one of the most exciting parts of the game. Yeah, as long as you don't get someone in the head, which is the result or the risk you take when you do it. And if you do do it, you should be punished heavily. Darren Cord said, who would you choose to build your team around, Jake or Tom Trebojevic? Tom. Yeah, you take the spine player before the forward. Uh, I'd agree with you there. Benny Kirkham, it's a disgrace that Kikau's been found guilty, let alone charged, let alone sent for 10, let alone a penalty. What a joke. Penalty suffice, play on. Yeah. I was shocked they sent him. I could believe they sent him either, but yeah, you're right to be uh, pissed off, mate. Adam Ngare says, is Cam Murray changing the position of Locke and do you see him as a future origin captain? Yeah, he could 
I think he'll play for Australia at the back end of the year. It's amazing how good he's been in such a short space of time. He's already played 50 NRL games. I don't think he's changed lock. I think it's heading back more towards where it used to be, a skillful position. But he is the ideal middle forward of the modern day. He's leading a change. Yeah, yeah. he's leading a change of the middle forward. He's fit. He's powerful. He's compact. He's skillful. He's got good footwork. He's smart. Uh, I think he just ticks all the boxes generally. Jamie Smith says, who will sign Josh Reynolds? I don't think anyone will be interested, in all honesty. I think he'll have to go to England. If I could rephrase it, Brock, what price would you pay? If they, if Tigers rang you and said, how much? Are you? Yeah, but if you had to, if you were a club that had an interest, say someone was interested, if he's on 900, how much are you willing to pay? A third of it. I was about to say. I, I'd, 300 would be my absolute maximum. And that's because the Tigers... Yeah, but when, when am I picking him up for next year? Well, he's got two years to go. They'd have to pay six hundred. They'd have to pay one point two over two years. You'd have to pay six hundred over two years. So three hundred a season. Mm. I'd frame it that way. If you ask me, and again, we said earlier, it's nothing personal. It's not even. It's about health. The last couple of years, I wouldn't sign him. But if I was a club and you said, <clears> like, what's the what's the price I would pay off that deal? Three hundred, and that's yeah, that's the maximum. Three left. Luke Della, Sharks full strength the rest of the year. What is your back line? Well, Sherry's a centre. I don't think there's any argument on that side of things. Uh, I think Dugan, similar to what we said before, best positions on a wing. Morgan's your fullback. You can have Josh Morris on the other side of the field and the other wing is either Fecky or Katoa. Yeah. And again, with Fecky moving on, if they want to bring Katoa in, I haven't seen his name the last few weeks in cut. I'm not too sure because I haven't had a couple of games, but something... I'd, I'd rather play Dugan at centre and Josh Morris on the wing. Is that what you said? Or you said Morris at centre? I said I'd play Morris at centre and Dugan on the wing. I'd play Morris on the wing. I just think he carries a ball tougher out of yardage. And I was going to say on the other side, I think Dugan's best part of his game is that I think his catch pass isn't that great. So I'd probably have him having the wing, but I can see both sides. And the last two, Benny Lloyd and Greg Bale, not really questions. It's again, same thing again. A lot of pissed off Penner fans about kick out. So unfortunately, uh, a bit of, bit sour. I agree heading into this weekend that it's going to affect that game because I, I really would have liked to have seen that game unaffected and I think Kikiar has been a bit hard done by in that situation. Um, but, yeah. And sorry, one last one here. Martin Shalak says, why does Michael Maguire keep picking two dummy halves? Seems to be a waste of the bench spot. Well, he probably knows what I think what Brock said. I think Robbie Farrer potentially is going to retire at the end of this year. They need oh, yeah, to know yeah. what little is. They haven't re-signed little yet and they're trying to figure out what he's worth or what the situation is moving forward and assess that, I think. Mm. That's probably more what I'd take out of it. I don't know if Brock would agree or not. Uh, but there you go. That wraps up our fan questions for another week. Thanks to everybody out there. Now moving on to our tips. There is no gossip this week, I don't think, Boxhead. No. So nothing from the big fell there, but we'll jump into our tips. Brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Results from the weekend, they basically broke even. So on the season now, they're sitting at 11 0.7 units of profit. So if you bet $10, that's obviously a $110 return or $100 units. That would be $1,100. Their profit on turnover is 3.34%. Their best bet on the weekend was Parramatta with a 6.5 start. Uh, losing Ferguson was obviously a big blow. They got it back to 1-12, to 12, but unfortunately, no dice box head. They looked like a sieve. Mm, they weren't too great on the weekend, Parramatta, but keep your eyes out for those best bets. Hopefully, uh, some more winners on the weekend. Only a few weeks left in the back end of the season. Like we said, it's a monthly package. If you're ever going to try out the Pro Sports Syndicate, get on board with it. It's a great product. Try it now for a month. Jump on board. Have a crack. See what you think of the product. Get the tips. The boys do a very, very good job there. Big thanks to 
the Pro Sports Syndicate. Lineups, Brock, like we said for the weekend, and our tips, uh, our best bets actually for the weekend, we both went one from two. So you had Penrith, minus four and a half. That was a winner. I had Manly one to 12, so I was lucky that they jagged that back late, in all honesty. But our losing bets, both was on the Cowboys. Mm. You had well, the Cowboys straight up. I had the Cowboys one to 12, and they obviously that's shit. A good a bet. Gone that one. They shit the bed. But the first game, speaking of that, Thursday night is the Cowboys against the Sharks. It's at the prison on the Sharks side of things. There's been some changes. Josh Dugan is back on the side. He's at fullback for Matt Moylan, who is out. Josh Morris returns center. Kirk Kaywell goes to the back row. Braden Hamlin Ueli starts with Andrew Fafita suspended. Billy Magulius is in for his debut on the bench, and Scott Sorison is out of the side. Uh, on the flip side of that, You've got the Cowboys. Michael Morgan, still not named. He's in the 20-man squad, but it could be three weeks if he doesn't play this week. He hasn't played since Origin 3. I think he'll play. Paul Green has retained the same 17-man squad. Uh, I'm with you. I think he'll probably come back into the side. If that's the case, Asiata would push back to the bench and someone else would drop out of the side. Uh, Based on that, on that I'm, I'm going to tip the Cowboys. Moylan being out. They haven't bought. Where's where's um? Well, for Feder, where's well. Flanagan? Flanagan's in the reserves. Yeah, so he's not going to play. But I, I'm going to tip the Cowboys. You've lost for Feder. They're playing two nines again, and you've got a debutante Magulius who. I'll tell you, who I thought went really well last week. Shane Wright for the Cowboys. He's a good player. Mm. I said a couple weeks prior that he's good. The one that gets me here though is you've got Braley, who's obviously going to swap to play nine. You've got Gallon off his injury. Prize off the bench and Williams, you know, are going to rotate for middles. But is Gallon going to play enough minutes? You know, Ueli's not going to play huge minutes. So Jaden Braley at some point to me is possibly going to have to play lock. And Billy Magulius, they still don't know what he is. He came through the grades playing lock. He's a great player. But they've also got him to play six and nine during the junior grades. So good luck. I think if Morgan comes in, I'm with you. As much as I think the Sharks need to win, and the prison has been one of those places, and the Cowboys have been just as inconsistent. I'm going to back the Cowboys thinking that Morgan's going to come back in and that their forward pack might get the upper hand over the shark side. So, Cowboys for me. Clifford will have to play better. Yeah, not a whole lot of confidence. He would have got a rocket. You going with the Cowboys? Cowboys. But like we said, this is a big game for Green may, Green may even drop Clifford and play... I don't think he will. Morgan at seven. I think him with If Ad- Morgan comes back in, I'm saying, just stick yeah. with Asiata. I think Asiata probably makes the bench. <laughs> a bit better for him. Gives him some impact or a difference maker off that. More going to help Clifford out. But uh, with the Pro Sports in, you've got the odds of this one. The Sharks are a dollar forty-nine favourite. Two sixty for the Cowboys. Good odds again. Minus four and a half is the line. One to twelve, two eighty-five Sharks, three seventy Cowboys. Thirteen plus the Sharks, three dollars six twenty-five for the Cowboys. Newcastle. I'm going to back up. I'm going to go Cowboys one to twelve, three seventy. So Brock. Cows one to twelve at three seventy. Fair enough. Newcastle, first Friday night game at home against the Tigers. They need to stop the rot. Nathan Brown is stuck solid with that 17-man side despite the loss for the Tigers. Corey Thompson returns. He goes to fullback. Mbai goes back to the centre. Cheekam goes to the back row. Matt Eisenhuth, who had that head knocked, he's been named as a reserve, a.k.a. I think that more means he's been dropped. Who? Eisenhuth. Okay, yeah. I think that's more being put that way. He's been named as a reserve. And Chris Lawrence goes to the bench. Luke Garner starts. And Ryan Madison has shifted to lock. Mm. Alex Twile has been dropped to the bench and replaced by Oliver Clark. So there's been a few changes. Yeah. Um, I'm going with Newcastle nice. up there at home. 
a few of these changes, I don't think it really makes a huge difference to their side. If anything, I think the Tigers get a little bit worse. Um, it's more an attitude thing. But, yeah, with the Pro Sports Cine, got the odds on that one, $1.47 for the Knights, two sixty five for the Tigers, minus 5.5 is the line. Newcastle, one to twelve two ninety three eighty for the Tigers. Thirteen plus for the Knights, two eighty five six fifty for the Tigers. Souths versus the Dragons, huge game in their season, and there is a fair few changes on that side of things for the Rabbitohs. The same seventeen for the Bunnies as last week. Sam and Tom have been named among the reserves, but it, everyone says it's unlikely for Sam. And from everything we're hearing with that infection, highly doubtful. <clears throat> Tom, on the other hand, is a slight chance to come back into the side, so we'll see. What happens on that side for the Dragons? Gareth Widdock is back, and they've named him in the halves. So Norman's been pushed out of six. He's going to fullback. Um, yeah, I think he's definitely going to be targeted in that regard. So Norman goes to fullback. Jason Saab, uh, he's a very, very big junior talent, come through the grades, big boy finisher. He's been handed his debut, and Zach Lomax comes back from a broken thumb on the other wing. Jonas Pearson and Mikel Ravalawa have been dropped. Fair enough with some of the errors that they've had the last couple of weeks, as far as the forward pack goes, everything basically looks exactly the same there. You've got Laurie, Vaughan, Frizzell, shifted Laurie to eight and Graham to 13. I don't really think it makes a whole lot of it difference. It doesn't. I just found it strange. Yeah, and then he's got Dufty on the bench. So, yeah, I, I, don't I, like, I can't tip St. George. They're, they're no, playing like there's bastards. no way I'm tipping St. George. I'm tipping South, even with the back line changes. And another thing... Lomax, as much of a junior talent as he is, he's been up and down some of his games. He shows you flashes of brilliance. And I watched Saab the other week. Physical specimen for an 18, 19-year-old kid, but he also had a couple errors in cup. He does some really good things, but he's not I'm, coming. I'm very surprised Tristan Saylor didn't get a crack. Well, I think what I find more funny is that they've had him in the 21 the last couple of weeks and had him at 18, 19. He scored a runaway intercept on the weekend as playing some OK footy. Do I think he's a long-term NRL prospect? I'm not too sure, but it's kind of funny to be dropped completely out of the 21 if you've been that close knocking I'd on the door. I'd give him a crack over Dufty at the moment. I'm not sure what else yeah. he to lose. On the bench or even, again, like I said, I know Saab is a long-term he's thought Norman, there. Like but... He's Norman at one. When's the last time Norman ran out at one? Oh, just yeah. playing Origin at six. I just This is strange. Well, we're both on South. And again, like, that, this is where the questions come as a coach. Like Either you believe in the side you got. He said a few weeks ago we can still win it. Yeah. And then now you... I don't know. We're both on South, and I think the key area, again, the only place I can really see him getting them is where the Cowboys got them last week, which is in the middle of the field with no Sam, Tom, George, Liam Knight, etc. Well, they'll need to improve in the forwards because they were terrible against Penrith. It's a big ask, and their edges are definitely tested by Burns and Roberts, which is a real danger with their defence the way it's been. With the pro sports in it, the Rabbitohs $1.38, $3 for the Dragons, minus 6.5 is the line. 1 to 12 South, two ninety four dollars for the Dragons, 13 plus 265 for South, $7 for the Dragons. The Eels versus the Warriors on this side of things for the Eels. Wonga Blake makes his debut. Hoffman shifts to the wing. Ethan Parry, the rookie, is out of the side. Blake Ferguson hopes to be back next week. Sean Lane is injured, so he's out. Near Corey starts in the back row. Oregon Confuci and Alvaro elevated to the bench. Semen drops out for the Warriors. Ken Marmalo comes back in for Adam Pompey. Jared Beal will start on the wing. And Blake Ashford was named in the centres. Cody Nicarima named at halfback, but is battling. He was a win by the length of the straight to Bank injury. West in the daylight. Um, this will be my second best bet. Eels 13 plus. Well, I'll go the Eels, but I'm nowhere near as confident as you. But yeah, 
I'm just going to go with the Eels. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. The Eels of the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.56, 240 for the Warriors, minus four the line, one to 12, 285 for the Eels, 350 for the Warriors, 13 plus for the Eels, which is your bet. Eels 13 plus is 315, the Warriors, 625. Titans versus the Broncos up at Seabus for the Titans. Tyron Peachy's been named to make a return. Uh, you got. Callum Watkins in for his first game after joining the club. Michael Gordon moves to his favourite role at fullback. AJ Brimson goes to halfback, and Riley Jacks is out of the side. The return of Matt Gillette for the Broncos sees Pungo Jr. shift the lock. Uh, no, good. He's not in the side. Good. Uh, for the Broncos, Gillette is back from his groin injury. Tavita Pangai goes to lock to cover for Flegler. And in another change to the pack, Dave Feeder returns to the second row in a swap with Alex Glenn. Um, look, I'm tipping Brisbane, but the Titans have got a bit of wood on Brisbane. I don't know why. Just whenever we're going poorly and they're going well, we, we tend to cause them a little bit of trouble. Whenever we're going well, they tend to beat us, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's just a little bit strange. In but all, I'll tip the Broncos. They need to win way more than we do. In all honesty, I think whether Glenn or Fafita's out in the centres doesn't matter. But the one, I think Pangai's proven that. I'm I mean, not sure. Who, like... Whose nude photos has Dale Copley got to keep yeah, getting He got an extension. Oh, it's unbelievable. He got an extension. Yeah, well. well. All I know is, on the flip side of it, though, I said it before and a lot of people get offended. I know Matt Gillette won back row of the year a couple of times and played that. I think he's so much better in that middle role and people are like, oh, he's had the neck injury, he's getting older. Who would you rather have crashing in you at the edge right now? I'd rather Pengai on the edge playing mm. into spaces than Gillette. I think Gillette does so much better of a job playing through the middle. Oh, yeah. um, Glenn or Fafita, they're both mobile enough to play at the centres, but Fafita nice did a pretty good job. Yeah, exactly. But in this one, Broncos. You're looking at your team, I've got Bryce Cartwright on the edge. Oh, yes. Super. Broncos, obviously. Yeah. Titans with the pro sports in, you get $2.80 outsiders, $1.43 for the Broncos, minus 6.5 the line. 1 to 12 Titans is $4.290. For the Broncos, 13 plus is $7 for the Titans, two sixty-five for the Broncos. Storm Manly, this should be a cracker game down at Amy Park, resuming hostilities in this one. Uh, for Manly, Addo Carr, he covers the loss of Sully, who's been suspended for a week for dangerous contact. Sandal Earl retains his spot on the other wing. Will Chambers is back, Munster, Kafusi, Christian Welch, and also after arrest, Marion Seve and Tui Kamika Mika drop out. Pappenhausen and Stimson go back to the bench for the Eagles. There is no changes after last week. Uh, Melbourne. It's in Melbourne. I'll go Melbourne at Melbourne. I don't like Manly. But I was going to say, off the back of the rest, and I know they don't like Manly, uh, if anyone's a little bit clunky or things are a bit rigid this week, this will be a close game. Mm. I don't like Dylan Walker at six. Yeah, that's fair enough. I didn't even realise that last week, so he's playing sixth. Mm. They punt custard here to get injured. No, he's out of the side altogether. Mm. Wow. They got off that bandwagon. I thought they'd stick with that for the most part of the year. I think he had some pretty good games in all honesty. Mm. Yeah, fair if enough. If it was a Brookvale, I'd give him a shot. It's down in Melbourne. I think they'll get murdered. <laughs> get murdered. Well, my first bet... Will and be Melbourne are bringing all these bikes back. My first bet is Storm 1-12. to 12. Yeah, you're an idiot. We're 13+. plus. Well, I think they'll be up for it, but yeah. I think Mainly a good side, but yeah. they're not up to Melbourne. Well, I'm going to stick with the one to twelve, but I think it'd be more towards that two try kind of margin. I hope you're right. Um, Des <coughs> may <coughs> have maybe <coughs> able to <coughs> come up with <coughs> something this week. Yeah, we'll see how they go. But in this one with the Pro Sports Syndicate, Melbourne are a dollar thirty-three favourite. Manly three dollars thirty minus eight line one to twelve. Manly, uh, sorry, Melbourne two ninety four fifty <laughs> for the Eagles thirteen plus. Melbourne two forty seven fifty 
dogs or roosters uh, for the dog side of things. Lachlan Lewis returns from an ankle injury. There'll be plenty of people happy about that. Brandon Wakeham uh, moves outside. Carrot Holland comes back in for Montoya, who's going to be out for 12 weeks. His season's over. Kieran Foran's in line for a turn. He's in the reserves. Aiden Tomlin's back. Off Iggy Ogden drops the reserves. Fitella Mariner is also among the reserves. Roosters. Roosters. Manu's back in the center after being arrested last week. Morris goes to the bench. Radley's back at hooker with Friend out. Isaac Liu's back in the side. Ted Ivano's back in the side. So again, there's two or three guys last week that didn't even play. Roosters. Embarrassment of riches. Win by mile. Roosters. Roosters. There's only one sure bet in rugby league this weekend, and that's St. Helens to beat Halifax. I think they're a dollar o dollar point zero 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 one St. Helens to beat Halifax. Excellent. Well, but the short next shortest bet should be the Roosters. The odds of the Pro Sports Syndicate five fifty for the Dogs, a dollar fifteen for the Roosters. That's overs. Minus fourteen and a half is the line uh, for the Roosters. One to twelve is a three dollars ten. Seven dollars for the Dogs. Thirteen plus for the Dogs. Seventeen dollars. A dollar sixty eight for the Roosters. I'd like to have a best bet somehow on this. Isn't that interesting that thirteen plus was a dollar sixty eight, but minus fourteen and a half is a dollar ninety. I think you're getting good value there, a dollar ninety. The variation between the twenty two cents between only a point and a half. I think that's a lot. Well, anyway, I was looking for a try wing combo here as a punter for the Roosters because I think every man, every man and his dog will score a try this week. In my opinion, go on, go on, lad. Ryan or Victor Radley? 425. 425 from dummy half. Oh, no, he's playing nine, isn't he? Yeah, no, get off yeah. that. I'm sitting here trying to think about what the two um, edges are. I like Tedavano. Tedavano's always got a try on You know who's scored a couple of sneaky tries and I've backed him twice this year? Isaac Liu. Tokiaho loves a try too. Oh, he does. You know who I'm going to go this week? He hasn't scored, but he said a few up recently. That'll be my second bet because there's nothing else I've really liked. I'm going to go Kiri. Try win. Good. So he's paying 350 on you. You'll get about. Four dollars. Try win. Yeah, it's three fifty. Three fifty times one fifteen. So whatever. What a safe player. What it is right now. What do you got for me? What is it? Three fifty. Three fifty times one fifteen. What do you give me? Four dollars. There you go. So four bucks. Kiri try win. Left edge. I think they'll run absolutely right, and at some point there, he'll either get an offload or he'll slip through for one. But heavy favourites there with the Pro Sports Syndicate. And the last game we have for the round, Panthers-Raiders. Uh, another cracker. Unfortunately, a little bit soured by, obviously, like we said, the suspension of Viliami Kikau. But they're riding that seven-game winning streak. They named the same 17. Kikau is out. So looking at the lineup here, what they had in the reserves, Jed Cartwright, Spencer Lanu, Stephen Crichton, or Liam Martin. If Liam Martin's right to go, he'll definitely be the one who comes in to replace, and you'd assume there'd be a reshuffle with Isaiah Yo probably going into the back row for kick-out, and they'll start somebody else at lock, probably that man we just spoke about. Um, but, yeah, out of who they've got available on the bench, I'd assume that if Liam Martin's good to go, he'll be the first one dragged up into that side. For the Raiders' side of things, Ricky Stewart, he's named Josh Papali back to start at prop. He did the same thing last week before he swapped him to CS Oliola to start. But other than that, no changes. It's at Penrith, Sunday afternoon. Uh, I think that kick-out thing's a big blow. I really do. I think it's going to be an absolute cracker. I think the Raiders in a close one. I'm going Raiders, yeah. But yeah, I think especially Penrith. now that. No, oh, mind you, Michael Oldfield in the centre. Did he play centre last week? Yeah. Did he? He did. Okay. Yeah, Canberra. Yeah, I think this one is one of those games again where they're favourites. Jeez. 
now, I guess now with the kick-out. Yeah, I think it makes a difference, though. I think kick I, I just, mate, I do not give a shit who wins this game. I hope it goes I hope down to the wire and yeah. I don't care who wins. And I really hope, like I said. I'm tipping Canberra, A, because I think they've shown better form across the year and B, because of the kick-out decision. I think yeah, that's that really hurts because, like you said, that's a destructive left but edge. But the leveller would be a huge fucking bumping crowd at Penrith yeah. all baying for Canberra's blood. Yeah. And it needs that. So I think I think it should be a dollar ninety game, even with Kikau out. Yeah. But I just lean Kikau. Kikau, like you said, though, just it's so easy to give him early ball, get a quick play of the ball, get off lucky. I lean Canberra because yeah. I just think they're going to be angrier, and they they they'll embrace that environment. I don't think they're going to be intimidated by the environment. Well, they've showed this year they're willing to get down and dirty, which mm. is something they haven't been willing to do in the past. But yeah. I'm hoping that Penrith get a good account of themselves and prove it. Gives me a bit of confidence. But this this one, I think, for Panthers fans, this is a 1-12 to game. But with the Pro Sports Let's Syndicate, go, Panther fans. We're both on the Raiders, but again, I hope Penrith give a good account. Hopefully a bumper crowd. Have a couple of Charles Burkowskis. But the Panthers with the Pro Sports Syndicate are $1.95, $1.85 for the Raiders, minus one the line. Panthers, 305, 1-12, 2-90 for the Raiders. 13 plus Panthers, 475, 433. Could we say that the, the bar lines at Penrith could be a little bit quicker? Could we make that? You know what? I thought, I thought last week was pretty good. Mm. That's See, the, I didn't. I got eight Burkowskis in pretty good time. Mm. I came over to you once or twice pretty twice, quickly. Twice, yeah. I didn't have to stand deep. Usually I'm on the grass in the middle of the hill and you worry about people trying to chop the line. Look, I wasn't happy with it. <laughs> But I've been Americanized, Rockstar. like where you can just go to the Super Bowl or wherever, and there's a million people, and you just walk up, get a beer straight away. You're like Lewis, mate, I wasn't happy. You know what I wasn't happy with? They've got the they've got those um, taps where they can pour four beers at once, right? And they're not fucking using them. Why aren't you pouring ahead of time at Penrith? Why can't I just go up? And if I say I want to hunt Super Dry, I want a two is new or whatever, there should be ten there ready to go. Bang here, take, it should just be cash bars only. Have your fucking correct money or the tap and go. Have have a cash line and a tap and go line. That's it. Let's get this flow going. Get I came to watch bro. the footy. And you know what also, also shits me? Is when you're watching the footy on the beer hill, the bar obviously faces away from the field. So if you're looking ahead to the bar, you can't watch the footy. There should be fucking screens there so yeah. you can watch the footy. True that. And just before we leave here, I know I had my two best bets, and most week I'm delusional at this time of night because it is like 10 o'clock. But two I do like and probably would be better bets in my opinion. I like the lines for both Souths and Brisbane. I know six and a half is awkward, but I think both are going to win by two tries or more. Yeah, it is. So at $1.90, I'd like Souths minus six and a half and Brisbane minus six and a half as well. I don't okay. mind. Let's get out of here. But there you go. Another huge episode of the podcast this week. Rate and review us on iTunes. Thank you for all your questions, all your feedback. Feel free to send us inboxes and questions anytime during the week. And for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? What's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.